Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper, and welcome to Season 5. Hope you enjoyed the month away as I did. As far as what happened in the meantime, uh, we hit 10,000 downloads, so thank you very much for that. Also, July was the best month of the year thus far, download-wise, despite having only one new episode, so that was really great. Thank you so much for that. As always, I encourage you to follow the show on any and all social media platforms so that you can be kept abreast of all the latest happenings pertaining to the show, and the handles are listed in the description. If you have an appetite for a bit more content, consider subscribing to Dr. Cropper's Office Hour, the Apple Podcasts exclusive premium spinoff of the show. For $4.99 American uh, per month, and there is a one-month free trial, you get access to weekly bonus episodes in addition to a priority sequence for topic requests and 10% off of merchandise. Uh, so consider that. If you have any topic requests, regardless of whether or not you are a premium subscriber, please uh, don't hesitate to send them my way or uh, questions or feedback, generally speaking. Uh, speaking of which, if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review wherever you listen, those are very helpful to me. Uh, and before we get going, just want to thank you for stopping by. I know the amount of alone time that it takes to get through a podcast isn't always easy to come by these days, so I appreciate you interesting me with yours. If you're new, uh, welcome, and I hope you will stick around. And if you've been listening for a while, uh, welcome back. Um, in the, uh, the couple weeks off that I had, I ended up listening to my usual amount of concerts per day, but um, they were uh, mostly the Dead and & Company and Fish shows of their, well, Fish is still on their summer tour, and uh, Dead and Company, I started when it finished, so I've been playing catch-up, but uh, I've been enjoying listening back to those and enjoyed some time by the pool and all that. Um, the The nice thing about being on a break is you can do your listening while you're chilling by the pool because you don't have to make notes about it. Uh, and I'm actually going to be seeing Fish uh, next week on Wednesday, and I'm seeing Santana with Earth, Wind, and Fire on Sunday. So if you subscribe to the premium show, I will be reviewing those um, after I attend them. So that's another uh, perk of that. Anyhow, today we are here to rank the 1977 versions of No Quarter. I've been looking forward to and preparing for this episode for a few months now. We did this for the 1975 versions of No Quarter last March, episode 40, and that's been a very popular episode, so I figured why not do it for 77 this year uh, for the 45th anniversary. We'll probably do it for the 73 ones next summer, in addition to a revised full show ranking for the 50th anniversary of that tour. Um, But 77 today... I covered this tour in full way back in episode 6 in July of 2020, and it's the fourth most popular episode, which of course is partially aided by it being one of the oldest, but it still seems to be well received based on uh, feedback that I get about it, so uh, I figured a 77 episode was a bit overdue. 
Fair warning to anyone listening who isn't a fairly avid Led Zeppelin fan, this will be a very deep down the rabbit's hole type episode, which is probably music to the ears of those of you who are diehard lead heads. Um, I'll quickly recap the structure of the song on this tour for those who don't know before we begin. So you've got Jones's electric piano intro, then Paige and Bonham join the intro, and then Paige and Bonham drop out, and Plant sings the first verse, or first part of the first verse alone with Jones on the Fender Roads. Paige and Bonham then re-enter for the second part of the verse into the chorus. Then Paige, Bonham, and Plant drop out, and Jones plays a transition of sorts on the Roads, which grew in length as the tour progressed. And then Paige does a bit of theremin, and Bonham does like a roll on the timpani, usually while Jones shifts over from the Fender Rhodes to the grand piano. Then Jones takes his solo on the grand. Then Paige and Bonham re-enter for the so-called boogie jam or boogie section, which would sometimes be an actual boogie, sometimes be heavier blues rock, sometimes be a rendition of Nut Rocker, and so on. And uh, that part is unique to the 77 versions and actually one of the most uh, unique portions of the show, Night to Night, in 77. And then uh, Paige and Bonham drop out again at the end of the boogie section and Jones transitions them back to the darker mood of the song for the main jam. Paige and Bonham re-enter at about the same time, uh, whereas in 75... Uh, Bonham would come in first and would groove with Jones for a while, and then Page would ease his way in. So here in 77, Page and Bonham both come in at about the same time for the main jam, and then we're off to the races on what was on most nights a kind of true three-piece jam, which didn't actually happen that often in Live Zeppelin, uh, you know, for their well-deserved reputation as such a great live band. Uh, a lot of the, you know, so-called jamming is really like, you know, Bonham and Jones taking some creative license, but holding down the groove while Paige is soloing. Um, certainly not on the level of like group improvisation as, uh, you know, a, a version of the Grateful Dead's Dark Star, for instance, where everyone's, you know, got equal reins, at least in theory, tugging the song in whichever direction it might go. Um, but there is a bit more of that kind of true three-piece jam to the main solo section of these 77 No Quarters uh, with varying degrees of success, as we will discuss here. And then at the end of the jam, Page and Bonham drop out and Jones plays a tag on the grand piano before shifting back over to the Rhodes. And then we have the same verse-chorus pattern as at the beginning of the song. And then the outro, which on this tour came to include the uh, stop-start part where they repeat the Dogs of Doom or Howling More line, uh, that's introduced towards the end of the first leg. All right, so that's the structure of the song. In terms of the tour dates for this tour, It was the longest of their career. There were 51 scheduled across three legs, 44 ended up happening. Um, 
The first leg was April 1st, Dallas, April 3rd, Oklahoma City, April 6th, 7th, 9th, and 10th, Chicago, April 12th, Minneapolis, April 13th, St. Paul, April 15th, St. Louis, April 17th, Indianapolis, April 19th and 20th, Cincinnati, April 23rd, Atlanta, April 25th, Louisville, April 27th and 28th, Cleveland, and April 30th, Detroit, um, more commonly referred to as Pontiac, the uh, Detroit suburb where it was at, because it was at the Pontiac Silverdome, and uh, the venue is notable in that case because it set the world attendance record at the time, 76,229. And then the second leg, May 18th, Birmingham, May 19th, Baton Rouge, May 21st, Houston, May 22nd, Fort Worth, May 25th, 26th, 28th, and 30th, Landover, Maryland, which is a a suburb of D.C., Uh, May 31st, Greensboro, June 3rd, Tampa, which was rained out after three songs, and uh, they were going to do a makeup day the next day, but there was a riot after, which resulted in uh, that being canceled, and I believe the mayor banned them from the city, which was the the thing to do back then, it seems, amongst mayors. Um, and then June 7th, 8th, 10th, 11th, 13th, and 14th, New York at uh, the Garden. And in Richard Cole's book, he says that there was enough demand to do an additional two nights if they had felt like it, um, which, you know, presumably the same case the same thing was the case in LA where they also did six nights. So we'll get to that in a sec. Um, and I, I calculated what, um, eight nights back then would be today adjusted for, uh, you know, population increase. And it would be like 12 or 13 nights. Uh, so that gives you a sense of how popular they were at this time. And, uh, had they played all of the scheduled dates, um, it would have, being, uh, they would have played to a million fans, which, uh, back then was pretty unprecedented. I think, um, on June 19th, San Diego, June 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 25th, 26th, and 27th Los Angeles at the forum. And it was the first time that any artist played six nights at the forum, uh, you know, in one stand or residency, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Rolling Stones and Jethro Tull had both played five nights there in 75 and Zeppelin did five nights in the LA area in 75, but two of them were at Long Beach arena. So, uh, which is a bit smaller. Um, so that's the second leg. And then the third leg, July 17th, Seattle, July 20th, Tempe and July 23rd and 24th, Oakland. And then when they arrived in New Orleans for the next show, uh, they received word that Plant's son Carrick had passed away, which obviously resulted in the cancellation of the rest of the tour. But the dates that were supposed to happen were uh, July 30th, New Orleans, which probably would have broken the attendance record they had just recently set at the Silverdome. 
August 2nd and 3rd, Chicago, which were um, makeup dates for um, the the August 9th show, got uh, cut short, or the April 9th, rather, uh, got short, cut short when uh, Jimmy was not feeling himself. Uh, and then August 6th, Buffalo, August 9th and 10th, Pittsburgh, and August 13th, Philadelphia, which probably would have set the attendance record again, uh, JFK stadium could hold a lot anyway. So that's the tour dates, um, more geographically comprehensive than the 75 tour was, uh, apart from not hitting Canada. Um, Toronto was on the, the initial schedule, but they, they had to reshuffle and plant cut laryngitis and Toronto didn't make the cut. Uh, I also think it might've been, uh, them seeing what happened to Keith in March 77, I believe with his heroin bust at the Royal York and ensuing legal trouble. And since Paige was also, uh, partaking of that at this point, um, they might've just thought uh, it's not worth the risk. Um, Anyway, so I would say this and 73 were their most geographically comprehensive North American tours. 73 would probably beat this one because um, this one is so focused on those long residencies in big cities. Uh, you know, six shows in New York, six shows in LA, four shows in DC, uh, was supposed to be six in Chicago. Um, they, really dug into that, you know, set up shop in one city for all of the shows in a particular area and then just take the private jet to the show. Um, so yeah, I think that's about all there is on the introductory front. Um, so without further ado, we'll just, uh, head to the rankings. There are 34, uh, versions that we have to rank why only 34 when there were 44 shows you might ask well there are seven shows with no recording at all dallas uh minneapolis st paul st louis indianapolis baton rouge and greensboro and additionally the second night in Cincinnati, no quarter is missing from the recording. Um, the Tampa show obviously was rained out before they got to no quarter and the Tempe recording, uh, picks up after no quarter. So that's why we only have 34 to rank. Uh, thank goodness in a way, because I have 40 pages of notes as it is. So hopefully this won't take us too long as I did for the 75 versions. I'll read plants introduction, uh, tell you how long it clocked in at, and then we'll, uh, analyze it. Um, plant was not, uh, nearly as loquacious with his introductions on this tour as he was in 75. That was one thing I noticed. So that should save us a little time. Um, and of course, you know, don't, uh, take it personally. If a version that you are very fond of places lower than you think it should, uh, this 
I surprised myself with some of the order on this list. And if I redid the exercise, I would probably come up with a slightly different one. So, you know, this is all for fun at the end of the day, right? All right. So in 34th, we have the April 7th version in Chicago. Um, the, so I guess that would be the fourth version of the tour, but we're missing opening night in Dallas. Uh, cuts in during Jones's intro, so we're missing Plant's introduction, and it clocks in at 14.49, but cut, of course. Uh, Bonham is in a lively mood during the opening verses. Somber transition over to the grand by Jones. Uh, Bonham does his timpani roll as Jones shifts over, and uh, it sounds like there's an errant chord uh, from Page while Jones is uh, shifting over. Jones's solo is a bit reminiscent of the March 75 ones, uh, not quite as dark, but it has that jazzy feel. He explodes with the right hand when Bonham enters for the boogie section. Page is uh, a bit more on it this time uh, compared to the night before, I guess I meant uh, when I was typing this, uh, joining the party right from the jump in the boogie section. Uh, the boogie section ends abruptly just as it's getting really groovy slightly wandering transition to the jam by Jones, but he doesn't waste too much time and hits a nice groove and groove. And then we're off. Uh, Paige's solo is quite choppy, but spirited. Uh, Bonham is spirited and not choppy at all. Uh, he really saves the day for much of the first leg of this tour, not just on no quarter. Uh, Paige flubs the studio motif, then repeats and plays on the flub a few times to make it sound intentional. Um, which is something of a page hallmark. Uh, Bonham gets impatient shortly after this and flips it into triple meter, but he and Page aren't quite in sync. Um, as I said, these 77 no quarters are the closest that they got to truly nebulous three-part jamming, and I think they were still getting used to that style of jamming at this point, um, or reacquainting themselves with it at the very least. Uh, in 75, Jones and Bonham stayed a bit closer to the groove. Um, so that's why I say this is, you know, the first time where it was three piece jamming. Um, Paige realizes that it's not his night and pulls the plug shortly thereafter with a pretty decent climax. Uh, Jones skips the tag and heads back to the verse. And then the tape cuts off during the ensuing verse. Uh, not one of the better versions of No Quarter, uh, pretty choppy, but you can tell they were trying. Uh, this is the best sounding of the four Chicago shows, which isn't saying much. For some reason, most audience recordings from uh, Chicago Stadium sound uh, quite rough, which I don't know, it, it was known for being a really loud building for hockey and basketball, so maybe the acoustic properties that led to that uh, you know, backfired when music was played there. Uh, anyhow, in 33rd, I've got the first one that we have a recording of April 3rd in Oklahoma city. Plant says, you can tell that we're just getting used to, can I take this home with me? A little time in the changeovers. Here's one that features the, uh, silent, but, um, coy gentleman in the group, John Paul Jones, No Quarter. This one clocks in at 1958. Page and Bonham are slightly loose on the intro. Plant sounds pretty good. 
a pretty quick transition over to the Grand by Jones. Fairly brief piano solo that doesn't get too adventurous. Uh, reminds me of uh, one of the shows that you'd go to in the evening on a cruise ship. Very brief little boogie interlude that starts to get a good groove going, but then cuts off before Paige even enters. Um, tentative transition from the boogie to the main jam by Jones. Pretty good buildup into the jam once Bonham re-enters. He tosses in a few bars of just bass and opening the hi-hat before Paige kicks off the solo. Paige's initial burst is quite sloppy. He disappears for what seems like the better part of a minute thereafter, at which point Bonham and Jones really amp it up to compensate. Uh, Paige returns with a bit more fluidity and Bonham uh, fires off a series of really fast fills around the kit, um, which he does uh, an easy uh, example to find would be towards the very end of the June 21st version uh, after the, the Dogs of Doom repetition, uh, but he does it a lot throughout 77, especially on No Quarter. And then another period of vamping ensues shortly after this while Paige seemingly collects his thoughts again. Uh, there's a fiery burst from all three of them coming out of this leading into the studio motif. And then they seem to pull the rug out on the climax a bit prematurely. Uh, elaborate tag from Jones throwing in the first hints of Nutrocker with a theremin accent from Paige at the end. A uh, great theremin squeal from Paige on the, the Dogs of Doom line uh, during the during the verse that is not the, the repetition in the outro. Uh, sounds like a slingshot and some decent shredding from Paige to start the outro. A pretty uneven version with a few moments of inspiration um, and not just uneven with the sloppy or aimless at times soloing from Paige, but a bit unsure in the sense that they just sort of touch on each section. They don't really dig into it. Um, having said all of that, it was better than I expected given the show's reputation. Um, so you know, you could very easily put that April 7th Chicago one ahead of this. They're both um, pretty forgettable, though. All right, in 32nd, I've got the April 9th Chicago version. This is one of their most notorious shows with Paige falling ill as the show progresses. Uh, many suspect heroin was involved. Uh, eventually, he has to sit down to play 10 Years Gone, the song after this, um, and that's where you really notice whatever it is affecting him. Uh, followed by an announcement by Richard Cole that Paige has a stomach flu and uh, the show will be made up later. Uh, so that became those uh, August dates that didn't end up happening. Um, anyhow, Plants introduces it. This next piece uh, features keyboards by John Paul Jones, no quarter. So uh, you can see what I mean about uh, far less... Uh, verbose than his 75 introductions, uh, which many consider a good thing, but I really enjoy his uh, plantations, as we call them, in 75, especially introducing No Quarter. It kind of sets the mood. Anyhow, uh, this one clocks in at 1822 and is cut. We get two errant eighth notes on the snare from Bonham at the start of the intro. Page's riffing is a little loose during the opening verses. Nice dark transition to the grand by Jones. Slight timpani roll from Bonham on the transition. 
Jones's solo is marred by two slight cuts in the tape, but it isn't one that really sticks out anyway. The boogie section gets off to a promising start with a jumpy groove, but Page's playing is becoming increasingly erratic. Slightly wandering first half of the transition between the boogie section and the main jam by Jones, but he then hits on a nice slow dark groove to lead us in. Page takes his time getting to the start of the solo, and then it's certainly far from his smoothest solo, but his uh, condition, whether genuine stomach flu or bad heroin or what, does lead to some unique ideas that just aren't executed particularly well. Um, For example, he plays an interesting low riff leading up to the studio motif. Uh, He wisely pulls the plug on the ill-fated journey around the 15-minute mark. Jones adds a nice elaborate tag, which uh, draws a good cheer. We get a nice theremin howl from Page on the Dogs of Doom line, and a big fill from Bonham heading into the outro. Page uh, has been, at this point in the tour, Page has been varying degrees of subpar on all of them, uh, the April 6th probably being his best of the four. Um, but this one was the the surest, most interesting for Jones and Bonham. So that's why I put this one just behind April 6th, but ahead of uh, Oklahoma City and April 7th. So in 31st, I've got the April 6th Chicago version, the first night in Chicago. Plant's introduction Right now, the most debonair member of the band will speak two languages, featuring John Paul Jones on keyboards, no quarter. This one is 1734 with a cut, a bit more extended of a uh, transition uh, on the roads toward the Grand uh, from Jones, keeps it light and groovy, Um, more extended compared to Oklahoma City, that is. Nice interplay between his hands at the start of the solo. Um, Keeps time with a pretty phrase with his right hand while getting a bit more adventurous with his left, which is a bit of a reversal to what you would typically have. Um, And then shifts into the boogie with Bonham in pretty short order. It's quite a raucous boogie section, although Page never joins unless it's just soft and hidden by the poor sound quality. Interesting transition to the main jam by Jones. He starts by reverting back to something halfway between the boogie section and his preceding solo, and then starts building it up into the jam, clearly still figuring out where to take the song this year. Uh, Page's riffing as he works his way in isn't bad. The solo gets off to a decent start. Not his most aggressive, but he doesn't bite off more than he can chew, and he has pretty good phrasing. Bonham lets off a massive fill as Page is working his way toward the studio motif. Bonham and Jones get quite lively following the motif. A cut about two minutes later as Bonham is really going off leaves us in Jones's tag at the end of the jam. Another cut in the ensuing verse leaves us near the end of the chorus. Page gets a decent flow going during the outro. Uh, this one was more uh, sure of itself than Oklahoma City. Uh, but definitely still figuring things out. Uh, and the bar had yet to be set uh, particularly high at this point of the tour. Um, 
the truly awful sound quality significantly dampens the enjoyment of it as well and probably hampers the accuracy of my observations. Um, I only put this one uh, best of these bottom four because Paige was slightly better than the others. Remember, the other factor contributing to the rust at the start of this tour was that um, they had rehearsed um, you know, in December 76 because they thought the tour was going to start in February. And then when Plant caught his laryngitis, it was close enough to when the tour was supposed to start that all of the gear had already been shipped over to the States. So Paige like, hadn't touched a guitar for a couple months by the time the tour started, which is, uh, you know, not what you want, even with someone who's really in their prime, which he was a little bit past by this point due to substances affecting him in various ways. Uh, and just, I think some lack of practice time generally, uh, he became, you know, interested in buying the bookstore and, uh, you know, just all of the, the other like perks and lifestyle things that can come with being a rock star, uh, other than, you know, practicing. Then in 30th, we jump from the beginning of the tour to the very end, the, what turned out to be the final show, July 24th in Oakland, uh, plants introduction this next piece is a, a keyboard piece. We'd like to dedicate this to Bill Graham. It's called No Quarter. Um, you may or may not have heard about the incident that happened uh, backstage the day before this, the July 23rd Oakland show. Um, so this was part of the Days on the Green uh, festival that was put on by Bill Graham, who, you know, famous promoter in New York and especially the Bay Area. Um, it worked very closely with the Grateful Dead for many, many years and uh, had a good relationship with Zeppelin up until, uh, this incident. Um, you know, he gave them lots of dates at the Fillmore West and Winterland, uh, and the Fillmore East in 69. And, uh, they, he was the promoter for the Kazar 73 show. Um, anyhow, uh, Backstage at the first Oakland show here in 77, um, Peter Grant's son, um, took like a, a nameplate off of one of the dressing room doors or something, uh, for one of the Zeppelin people, I believe. Um, and one of Grant, one of Bill Graham's, uh, staffers said like, Hey, you can't do that. They didn't know it was Peter Grant's son, but, uh, you know, word of this got back to Grant, Richard Cole, and uh, Bonzo, and I believe John Binden, the um, who was a uh, you know, according to people involved, uh, you know, on another level of thuggery compared to like uh, Grant knew him because he had connections that way from his back in his wrestling days, I guess. And anyway, but a lot of them were like yo, this guy's like an actual criminal. Why are we bringing him on tour with us? But the, the hard drugs infiltrating the camp had so affected everyone's judgment by this point that they thought it was a good idea to hire a 
actual gangster basically to be the security detail. Um, so anyway, um, Grant, uh, Peter Grant, uh, Richard Cole, Binden, and John Bonham, uh, went and beat the daylights out of this staffer who dared to tell Grant's son that he wasn't allowed to take the thing. Um, I, the guy survived, but it was quite a beating. And anyway, that understandably drove quite a wedge between them and Bill Graham. Uh, there were some arrests. They got out, but anyway, it was a bad scene. So anyway, the, the vibes were kind of bad for this second show because of all of that. Um, and uh, not to mention seeing pictures of Paige in broad daylight. At this point, it looks like a vampire caught in the sun. Um, anyway, so Plant does his best there to assuage the hard feelings from the events of the previous day, but probably fell well flat. This one clocks in at 23.03, um, a speedier intro than the night before and the one in Seattle from Jones, uh, I think they were in a hurry to get out of there after this show. Uh, Bonham is pretty lively throughout the intro verse chorus. Kind of a playful, funky transition on the roads by Jones. More subdued theremin uh, accompaniment from Page as Jones shifts over to the grand, but just right. Uh, Jones's solo starts off nice and shimmery, then gets a bit more aggressive for a few minutes, then back to the more shimmery feel. The boogie section is abandoned with Jones leading them straight into the main jam. Another uh, piece of evidence towards the, uh, I think they were in a hurry to get out of there. Um, very awkward start to the solo by Page and it doesn't really improve. He and Jones also sound a bit out of sync with each other throughout. Um, if the one the day before was kind of fairly smooth, but paint by numbers. This one is a disjointed paint by numbers. Uh, what I mean by that, of course, is, um, you know, touching on and doing a rough sketch of each portion of the song, but not you know, really going for it the way that the best versions do. Um, Jones does add a nice seaside sounding tag at the end of the jam, but it's not enough to save the sinking vessel. The outro uh, feels like it's in slow motion. Jones adds an extended whimsical little tag at the very end of the song as it's gliding to a finish. Um, a pretty forgettable version for its final performance in the States. 29th, I've got the April 25th Louisville version. Um, this was... Uh, one of the rowdiest crowds of the tour, which was uh, a common problem on this tour, but this one might have been the worst. I believe someone after this, uh, at some, yeah, I think it's after 10 years gone. Maybe, I don't know, someone threw a bottle at the stage, I think, and it broke on Paige's guitar and like almost cut his hand or something, or maybe it did. Anyway, um, I know Plant was really pissed and he sings Battle of Evermore very angrily afterwards. But anyway, um, so perhaps the overly rowdy crowd was distracting them a bit. Anyhow, Plant's introduction, well, that was one from the past. This is one of, from about the same time. It features John Paul Jones on piano, no quarter. 
Um, it was preceded in the set list by Since I've Been Loving You on this tour, um, which, you know, came out on Zeppelin III, was written in 1970. Um, no Quarter didn't come out until 73 on Houses of the Holy, of course, but it originated in the Zeppelin IV sessions, which started in late 70. So, um, Plants actually not far off there. Uh, often he makes uh, kind of puzzling historical errors for someone talking about his own recent history, like in 75 when he would almost exclusively refer to In My Time of Dying as the first song from Physical Graffiti, uh, even though they had played Sick Again two songs earlier. In fact, one show, I forget which one, he goes, this is the first one. No, it's the third one. No, it's the first one. Uh, wrong, wrong in so many ways. It's the second one. But anyway, um, so back to this no quarter. Uh, clocks in at 2001. Mysterious transition on the roads by Jones. The usual theremin and timpani stuff while he hops over to the grand. Quite an elegant solo from Jones that erupts into a raucous rendition of Nut Rocker for the boogie section. Uh, slightly loose with a bit of an awkward exit, but fun nonetheless. Jones switches back to the roads and Bonham jumps in right away um, with Paige close behind. And Jones then switches back to the grand in fairly short order, leaving it sound a bit empty with just Paige and Bonham for a bit. Uh, it starts to get choppy in here. Paige is aggressive, but not at his most fluid. Uh, not bad, but not great either. Bonham is a bit erratic with his aggression. Um, Jones is a bit too subdued for stretches of it, I think. Um, pretty smooth but abrupt climax, and then Bonham adds some erratic crashes afterwards as Jones plays the tag, and Page also adds some random notes. Um, so maybe that's, again, anger at the what they're witnessing going on in the crowd. Um, the jam feels a bit sporadic and disjointed, but it still has some good playing. And this is the first instance of the stop-start Dogs of Doom thing in the outro. In 28th, I've got the May 25th Landover version. The second, no, the first, sorry, the first of the four nights there. Um, and this is the only one from the second leg that's outside the top 25. Um, Plant's introduction. This next piece features uh, another soloist spot. It features John Paul Jones. It's called No Quarter. It clocks in at 22.13. Uh, Jones's intro seems to take on an extra forlorn quality. Plant sounds pretty good. Uh, I find he almost always does on No Quarter. They seem to cut the chorus off a few beats short, leaving Plant to howl over the start of the transition on the roads. Uh, which is brief and peacefully ominous, if that makes sense. Very dramatic solo from Jones. He hits upon a really cool groove for the boogie section, uh, like discovering a sunny meadow along the journey. Page and Bonham play the boogie section quite heavily to great effect. Page's solo doesn't get off to a bad start, but it soon takes a turn for the sticky and kind of devolves from there. Thankfully, Bonham is armed with plenty of fireworks to cover for Paige as best he can. Paige jumps to the riff that leads him to the studio motif uh, somewhat abruptly, 
as if in an effort to regain some fluidity, which he does a bit, but it gets choppy here as Bonham goes really over the top at the same time. Bonham and Jones build great tension just before the 16-minute mark, egging Page on, and he responds with a spirited stretch, but it's still sticky. They wrap it up shortly after that, and Jones adds a nice tag, which ends on a slightly dissonant chord. Uh, Page regains some fluidity on the outro. Plant jumps the gun on the second set of Dogs of Doom repetitions, which turns into a unique echoing arrangement to cover up his mistake. Uh, it's not a bad version. The enthusiasm is there, and it has some good moments, but also a few too many loose moments and sticky passages from Page. In 27th, we head back out to Oakland. The first night there, July 23rd, second last show of the tour, Plant's introduction. It's strangely chilly up here. This next piece is a keyboard feature. It features John Paul Jones on the Ivories. It's called No Quarter. Clocks in at 22.48. A neat little embellishment with the right hand from Jones during the intro. Uh, Plant sounds better than he did in Seattle, but still not as good as he did in June. Melancholically groovy transition on the roads from Jones. Extensive theremin accompaniment from Page as Jones shifts over to the Grand, uh, sounding particularly Star Wars-y, echoing around Oakland Coliseum. Um, recall Star Wars came out actually on the day of the show we just talked about, May 25th, 77. Um, anyhow, Jones's solo stays darker than most 77 ones do. Uh, he actually starts it the way that he usually does, the transition away from the boogie and towards the main jam. So that kind of threw me. Uh, slow build into the boogie section, and they never really commit to it. They just slowly abandon ship and head towards the jam. Uh, extended ease into the jam. Page isn't at his most fluid as the solo gets underway. Almost sounds like he's playing in slow motion. He comes alive a few minutes later with some nice playing as Bonham flexes. Overall, it feels a bit like a paint-by-numbers 77 midsection. Uh, solid outro. I would say it's a fine but unassuming version that also sounds a bit confused with the half-hearted boogie section. Um, it's a noticeable regression in both length and quality compared to the dozen-plus that precede it. Um, and it's too bad that we don't have Tempe. That's obviously excluded from that comment. In 26th, we head back to Chicago, the last of the early tour shows that we have recordings for, uh, April 10th, the fourth night there. Plant's introduction. Now we'd like to feature a man who's very discreet in his approach to public life in general, a man who once stayed at the Royal Orleans Hotel, John Paul Jones, no quarter. This one is uh, 1803 in length, short, ominous transition over to the Grand from Jones. Extended timpani roll with a great crescendo from Bonham as Jones shifts over and some nice theremin accents from Page 2. Not a very long solo on the Grand from Jones, but a nice one and the smoothest transition into the boogie section uh, thus far in the tour. Um, you know, not not, the, not thus far in the rankings, but, you know, at this point, chronologically speaking, in the tour. Um, it sneaks up on you out of nowhere, but it feels very organic. 
The boogie section is fun. Page isn't too active, but Bonham and Jones have some cool ideas and the ending is smooth. Jones goes back to the roads afterwards and plays the main jam on it. Accordingly, Bonham and Page get going get it going right away, and Page doesn't really riff much before launching the solo. Page is decently fluid, but doesn't take many big chances either, which was probably smart. Bonham is the most lively of the three, but far from his most aggressive of the tour. The climax is pretty smooth, uh, and Jones adds a neat tag, which was unusual for him to do on the roads. Uh, he didn't start doing that little tag at the end of the jam, uh, at least not regularly, until the second leg of 75 when he started using the grand. Um, Page plays pretty well on the outro. It's definitely the smoothest of the tour, uh, you know, up until this point, better than the earlier Chicago shows and Oklahoma City. Um, you know, smoothest in terms of the transitions between sections, the flow, uh, with, you know, within and between each section. Um, it's unique for Jones playing the entirety of the main jam on the roads. It would probably sound nice on a better recording. Um, it's not incredible, but it's tight and free of major gaffes, which was a win at this point of the tour. Um, I think this no quarter is representative of the complete show on April 10th. Uh, for a while, it was uh, thought of as the first great show of the tour, marred by the poor recording. Uh, I used to agree with this, but I now view it as average to good. Um, it seems great compared to the preceding shows, but really it's just the first show that's an acceptable performance from a professional band, much less the best in the world. Which, you know, I say this as a diehard Zeppelin fan, it's debatable whether they were still deserving of that title by this point. Um, on their better nights in 77, yeah. On, on the not-so-good nights, definitely not. Certainly, the Grateful Dead, for example, were much more consistent in 77. But as I say, this is an enjoyable version of No Quarter, and I would say from here on out, they're all pretty decent. Um, yeah, at the very least, those, the ones before this, uh, are quite skippable, but from here on out, they're all worth listening to. In 25th, I've got the April 27th Cleveland version, the first night there, Plant's introduction, this next, oh dear, this next piece, uh, hang on, shh, hang on, let's talk about it, no, let's not. <laughs> This next piece features John Paul Jones on piano, no quarter. Uh, it clocks in at 1937, but it does have a decent-sized cut. Solid opening verses with Plant sounding great. Dark, creepy transition on the roads from Jones. Spooky theremin howl from Page as Jones shifts over and an extra little roll on the timpani from Bonham at the end. Jones's solo starts promising, but is cut after less than a minute, I would say, leaving us at the tail end of the boogie section with Bonham and Jones winding it down. Nice spiraling transition to the jam from Jones. Bonham fires off a huge fill around the kit as he enters and Page dives right into the solo. Page is just okay. Some nice phrasing, but far from his most fluid. Bonham is fired up, though, frequently doing fast fills around the whole kit. 
page regains some fluidity about a minute before the studio motif as they're building up from a lull, uh, the second lull. Um, it dips low again briefly after the studio motif. Bonham unleashes a huge snare roll coming out of that valley. Jones is playing it kind of cocktail jazz style. Bonham gets a jittery groove going with the bell of the ride, and it seems like it's going to erupt into the climax, but they pull it back, and he and Jones play a neat stop-start groove. And then we get a somewhat disjointed climax over the ensuing minute and a half or so, despite Bonham's best efforts and enthusiasm. Jones offers a very pretty tag, reminiscent of the jazzier 75 versions in March, Bonham, predictably, is the star of the outro, followed closely by Plant, who is very enthusiastic on the Dogs of Doom or Howling Mower repetitions, uh, which have not evolved fully into the stop-start thing yet, but uh, anyway. Um, Jones is fairly reserved for the most part on this no-quarter, and Page is just okay, uh, but Bonham, and to a lesser extent Plant, uh, elevated a bit. This is one of the more famous uh, bootlegs of the tour, the uh, Destroyer show. That's the, the title that it has been commonly released under, and it's a very good-sounding soundboard that's circulated for a long time. Uh, but the, uh, the performance doesn't quite match its reputation. All right, and then in 24th... Uh, I'm actually surprised I had this one this low, but uh, we have the June 14th New York version, the sixth night at the garden, Plant's introduction. This next piece, if you've been here already, you'll know it features the subtle fingers of one of the greatest yachtsmen on Central Park, John Paul Jones, no quarter. Makes me think of the sailboat race in Stuart Little. Um, clock's in at 26.54 with a cut. Uh, solid opening verses with plant sounding pretty good. Dark, ominous, yet delicate transition on the roads from Jones. Uh, Page gets some good theremin shrieks in as Jones shifts over to the grand. Perhaps plant's comments inspired Jones, but the solo does seem to take on a slightly aquatic or sailing kind of feel. Uh, you could picture yourself in a bar on the top deck of a cruise ship. Keeps a good bit of the ominous vibes, but missing the it factor, I think. Jones may have sensed this, as it seems to flip to the boogie section fairly quickly. Bonham is jacked up during the boogie section, but Page feels like he's in cruise control at the start. He has a nice burst towards the end, but is somewhat sticky throughout. Overall, a slightly disjointed or uninspired boogie section, to my ears at least. A cool transition from the boogie to the jam, with Paige turning in some pillowy, enchanting accompaniments to the bed that Jones is laying. Paige grabs the reins to jolt them into the main jam. He isn't at his most fluid off the bat, but not bad. He gets it going really nicely about a minute later, pulling out a long, flowing run as Bonham amps it up. His execution becomes choppy again after that. Uh, even Bonham is fairly erratic in that he oscillates between going wild and playing fairly straightforward timekeeping uh, somewhat randomly. Jones does what he can, but the sinking, the uh, the ship has taken on too much water. Um, 
decent climax, followed by a brief but cool tag from Jones, just mysterious chords fading into the night. It's cut early during the ensuing verse, dropping us in the chorus. Decent outro with Plant getting some good screams in during the Dogs of Doom part. It's not like it's a total train wreck, technically speaking, but it just comes off a bit disjointed and uninspired. Uh, This is known to be a particularly coked up show, but I don't think it benefits them here the way that it does on some other versions. It's energetic, sure, but also a bit ADHD, and Paige is fairly sticky at times. In 23rd, I have the May 21st Houston version, Plant's Introduction. This next piece, uh, and then he mimics Paige testing the theremin. This next piece features the uh, uncontrollable bursting talents of John Paul Jones. The mystery man comes alive on keyboards, John Paul Jones. It's called No Quarter. Uh, This one clocks in at 2345. I think Jones may have a slight flub on the intro that he disguises really well. Other than that, the intro has a great haunting, creepy vibe. Nice little embellishments by Jones heading into the first verse. Plant sounds pretty good. Uh, Not quite as good as he did in Birmingham a few nights earlier, but pretty good. Um, Cool, unique transition on the roads by Jones. Page starts to echo the theremin in the distance while Jones is still on the roads, then lets it fly a bit on the actual transition when Jones shifts over. Concise little timpani blast from bottom. Kind of a whimsical uh, transition at the point where Jones actually flips over to the grand, but it works. Uh, Solo starts off a bit like a March 75 solo. Pretty elaborate. Uh, Then he suddenly cuts it off and starts a groove to lead it into the boogie section, then pulls off a bit to alter the groove slightly. Um, It's an interesting boogie section. Bonham is jacked up, Page is laid back, but has some cool ideas, and Jones is somewhere in the middle. Uh, Once again, it dies down and appears to be wrapping up before they bring it back around for another peak, uh, this time shorter and less explosive. Jones kicks off the main jam with some very neat, jumpy phrases with the right hand, which Bonham mimics on the snare, and we're off. Page starts a bit subdued, but actually has some pretty decent fluidity when he decides to match Bonham's intensity, which is quite high, uh, as was typical for him in Texas. Um, Many suspect that was due to a cocaine connection there, but anyway. Bottom's very creative, exploring lots of different grooves and fills. Jones really comes alive after the studio motif, which doesn't hit quite as hard as it could due to Page seemingly playing it sooner than Bonham expected. Bonham starts a jazzy groove on the ride to lead them out of a, a mellow valley thereafter, which leads to a more swinging final peak of the jam than usual. Page's fluidity becomes a bit more suspect toward the end of the jam. He and Bonham fire off a few final unison blasts as Jones's tag spirals us back to Earth. Jones tosses in a spacey little embellishment on the roads before restating the theme to start the verse. Great echo on Page's theremin howl on the Dogs of Doom line. Uh, interesting outro. Page gets a bit out of sync after the 
the part where it repeats the Dogs of Doom. Uh, it's a cool version, the Snow Quarter. It feels unique to the rest of the year. Um, a few loose spots and a few sticky moments from Paige keep it kind of middle of the pack, but it's definitely an enjoyable enjoyable one if you aren't uh, nitpicking for the sake of ranking, as I was. And um, interesting having this one and the the June fourteenth no court the June fourteenth New York right next to each other because they're kind of um, polar opposites. That one's you know got the bit more technical precision and stuff, but seemed to lack the it factor. This one has the it factor and is really cool, but has a few rough around the edges parts. In twenty second, I have the. May 28th Landover show, the third of the four nights there, Plant's Introduction. This is a piece that features the ivory keys of John Paul Jones. It's called No Quarter. Clock's in at 2309. A lot of this show is characterized by more deliberate tempos. Uh, Cashmere, for example, is the longest version ever. I think it hits 11 minutes. Um, and those more deliberate tempos are apparent here as well on the intro to this no quarter. Short but creepy transition on the roads. Jones's solo is quite airy, like Tinkerbell flitting over the keys. Uh, fairly standard boogie section, but the energy is good. Jones takes his time with the transition from there to the jam to great effect. Page's riffing as they build into the jam is great builds the suspense well. His phrasing is on point to start the solo, and he's quite fluid as well. Bonham locks into a very suspenseful groove that perfectly matches what Paige is doing for the better part of a minute, I'd say. Uh, really awesome. Finds a little valley thereafter before they explode into the studio motif, Paige and Bonham both unleashing a ferocious torrent. Great stop-start jam between the two of them develops after that. Bonham and Jones build great tension into the final peak, which Paige is able to match pretty well. It seems like Paige is looking to wrap it up a few times before they finally do, uh, which is odd because it's a very concise jam, uh, interesting tag from Jones, and an excellent outro. Um, Paige, seeming eager to wrap the solo up prematurely, takes the wind out of the sails a bit for me, but it had the potential to place a bit higher. In 21st, I have the June 19th San Diego version, Plant's Introduction. Mr. Jones's back is not as bad as he thought it was. In fact, it's Mr. Jones that we now feature on keyboards. Oh, thank you very much. Didn't think you were at home. It's called No Quarter, John Paul Jones. Uh, before, since I've been loving you, Plant explains that Jones's back, um, has been bothering him and that he's been lying on a hot water bottle all day. Maybe this was to deflect some attention from Bonham, who was uh, not himself at this show. Uh, don't know whether that was uh, drugs or alcohol or the official reason was food poisoning, but who knows. Um, anyway, uh, by the way, that Inter interjection about didn't think you were at home. That's part of Plant's intro. That wasn't someone uh, walking in my little studio here. Uh, this one clocks in at 2037. Uh, 
clearly a more patient tempo than usual right from the jump, but that works for this song. Uh, Plant sounds fantastic, one of his best shows of the year. Oddly enough, Bonham fires off a machine gun snare blast during the opening verses. A very enchanting transition on the roads by Jones. Uh, San Diego brought out the best in him in 75 with an epic solo on March 14th, so let's see how this one goes. Uh, Short but very nice, good jazzy aquatic feel, perfect for San Diego. Explodes abruptly into the boogie section and Bonham appears up to the task. He starts to push the pace as it goes along, but is in sync with uh, with Page and Jones on the stop starts that they do, so it's it's okay. Uh, either that or they anticipate him. Um, Page is pretty fluid, uh, and the the boogie falls away pretty smoothly. Jones gets some nice trills in on his transition to the jam. Page's wispy riffing is great as Jones gets the groove going. Bonham pushes the pace a lot once he enters, but Page is up to the task and stays fluid. At one point, Bonham kind of barks up the wrong tree and starts to almost lose it, and Page rescues him with a fluid, aggressive run, which is a bit of role reversal for 77. Usually it would be Bonham bailing Page out. They sync up for a fantastic series of explosions just after that, and then Bonham whips out a more erratic pattern shortly thereafter that does throw Page off a bit. Page introduces the riff that he'll use to greater effect toward the climax of the June 27th one in LA as this jam drifts to its climax. A pretty brief tag from Jones. Plant again sounds great during the closing verse chorus. Page is in the zone on the outro. A unique Dogs of Doom section due to Bonham. This no quarter actually doesn't get adversely affected by Bonham's state too much. Uh, some other songs at this show definitely do. Um, true to the rest of the show, the other three members step up their game to cover for Bonzo, who is the star of the tour, in my opinion, and saves Page and Plants, Bacon Plenty. Um, they keep it short and to the point on this one, though, uh, probably weary of getting too far out on a limb with Bonham compromised. The two versions before it in New York are about 27 minutes, and the LA versions after it are all uh, 28 to 34 minutes, so this one sticks out like a sore thumb, being only 20 minutes in the midst of all those epics. In 20th, I got the May 22nd Fort Worth version, Plant's introduction. This next piece is a piano piece featuring John Paul Jones. It's called No Quarter. Clocks in at 23.15. Powerful intro with all three of them, taking a bit of creative license. Plant sounds pretty good on the opening verses. Dark, ominous transition on the roads by Jones, and a fairly concise solo on the grand from him, but a nice one. Uh, seems to pause for a second to think about it, and then dives into Nutrocker. Bottom is wound up like a $2 watch, leading to a fun version of Nutrocker. A brief but effective transition to the jam by Jones, and a smooth build-up into it by all three of them. Decent start to the solo by Page, uh, with Jones and Bonham ready to burst, but reining it in at first. Um, 
And then Bonham and Jones start to boil over around 12 minutes, which elicits a response from Paige. It veers into a spacious place of suspense uh, briefly after that before Bonham erupts like a landmine on a South Pacific island. Yeah, he must have had some dealer in Fort Worth because he was always really fired up there. Um, It dies down again after that before Bonham lets off four repetitions of that fill that he I was mentioning that he does on June 21st. Uh, usually he does two, but he does four here, leading into the studio motif. Page starts to fire off more fluid runs here. Amazing crushing stop-start jam about a minute later. Bonham and Jones lock into an elaborate bouncy groove after this, leading to the climax, which again features some stop-start action between Page and Bonham. Nice tag from Jones and some nice embellishments from him during the verse. Page has some cool ideas on the outro and is quite fiery with good fluidity as well. Cool Page plant interplay at the end of the Dogs of Doom part. Uh, Page again goes out of sync coming out of them as he did the night before in Houston. Uh, Bonham really steals the show on this no quarter, creative and aggressive throughout. I would say overall, it's about the same degree of tight but loose as the Houston one, but it's noticeably more energetic, so I gave it the nod by a couple of spots. In 19th, I got the May 26th Landover version, the second of the four nights there. Plant's introduction. This next piece features uh, the many talents of John Paul Jones on keyboards. It's called No Quarter. It clocks in at 22.28. There's an errant beep sort of noise from Page's guitar during Jones's intro. Uh, he probably hit it inadvertently or something. Slow and heavy intro featuring some great fills from Bonham. Uh, he was in a playful mood this night, turning in his longest solo ever later on. Uh, and the show on the 28th uh, had one nearly as long. Those two are like 35 minutes and the next longest is like 32 i think seattle 73 anyway um the opening verse sounds a lot like the studio version being so slow very spacey ominous transition on the roads from jones starting to stretch it out at this point in the tour page adds theremin throughout the transition slowly building in intensity uh bottoms timpani roll is nice and understated as jones shifts over to the grand a groovy grandiose solo from jones bonham jumps in quite early building his entrance up seemingly forever before he and jones finally crash into a great groove page is very fluid and fiery during the boogie section jones and bonham fairly abruptly back off catching page a bit off guard it seems like they're going to head to the main jam, but they bring it back around slightly differently for a second wave of the boogie section. Um, it dies down again before coming back around for a third wave of boogie jam. Uh, a cool transition to the, the main jam from Jones. Page jumps the gun a bit, starting his solo, so he repeats the opening motif once Bonham and Jones are ready. Page gets off to a decent start once the solo begins. Bonham and Jones are both creative and aggressive. It reminds me a bit of the the March 14th, 75 San Diego version that I mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, 
Bonham yells, whoa, as they charge into the studio motif. Uh, Paige then initiates a stop-start with Bonham coming out of the ensuing valley, which lands us in a galloping groove that carries us to the climax, which is punctuated by several bars of Bonham going wild with the snare and crashes. A whimsically elaborate tag from Jones, which Bonham punctuates with erratic crashes. Bonham again goes wild with the snare and crashes as they head into the outro. Page gets off to a hot start on the outro, explosive dogs of doom section and ending. Uh, this version is very cool and quite unique to others on the tour. Page is decently fluid. Bonham and Jones are aggressive and creative, and they're all clearly having fun with it. And that was another difference I noticed between these 77 ones and the 75 ones. Uh, not only were plants. Uh, spoken introductions much shorter, but I found that these 77 versions didn't have quite as much um, personality to them in terms of being noticeably different from the night before and the night after. You know, each 75 version, I could pick up a, a really distinct vibe from it, like uh, when I'm talking about uh, versions of Dark Star with the Grateful Dead. Um, but these 77 ones were a bit more like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a 77 no quarter, but I'm not getting a, a really strong vibe that differentiates it from the others. So I appreciate this May 26th Landover version for being an exception to that. In 18th, I have the June 25th Los Angeles version, the fourth of the six nights at the forum. You'll notice plants, uh, comments are a bit more verbose here in LA. This next piece um, is really a sort of feature piece by a, uh, a man who has a badge holder in the wings tonight that we haven't quite got the spotlight trained on yet, but she's in the wings for John Paul Jones's badge holder, no quarter, John Paul Jones. And it clocks in at 28.55. A delicate intro from Jones, Bonham fires the machine gun snare during the intro, Plant sounds pretty good. Soft, slightly funky transition on the roads by Jones that takes a slightly more sinister turn toward the end. He starts a great rumbling low trill on the grand as Paige's theremin shrieks are still echoing out. His solo has a peaceful, upbeat quality to it, uh, fairly ornate but soothing. He kind of flips it abruptly to start making his way to the boogie section lays a nice lush groove for the boogie. Page is quite fluid on the boogie, uh, firing off some nice bluesy licks. Uh, it's a fairly short-lived boogie section, but nice. Uh, it comes to somewhat of an abrupt end, but it works well, with Jones playing some low bubbling phrases to start the transition. A uh, fairly short transition, and Page wastes no time diving into the solo once the groove is set. He's pretty fluid out of the gate, and Bonham has a nice outburst at the start. It gets a bit choppy after a few minutes, and then uh, Paige hits on a chunky riff to lead them into the studio motif, which is not accompanied by the usual fireworks from Bonham. Uh, he's a bit reserved at times on this June 25th show. Um, many people surmise that he uh, partied a little too hard with Keith Moon after the, the June 23rd show, where Moon guessed it at. Uh, anyway, um, 
the two bottom and page link up briefly about 30 seconds later, then it settles into a little valley. Page rips off the blistering runs that typically cue a call and response between he and Bonham, but Bonham does not oblige. Uh, Page and Jones build it up to a nice peak rate around 20 minutes. Page echoes an interesting riff a few times just after that. Jones then comes alive a bit as Page is playing a bit more spaciously. Bonham shifts over to the bell of the ride for a shuffly groove for a minute or so. Kind of an awkward two minutes following that as they can't seem to decide how they want to bring it to a climax. Page gets fairly sticky here, and eventually they just kind of yank the rug out from under it without a climax, and then add one random blast in unison. Uh, Jones's tag returns to the soft mood that he had going before the jam. Page compliments it with some very soft, delicate playing while Jones shifts over. Uh, Page has some excellent playing with the wah on the outro, fluid and nasty. Bonham plays a great build coming out of the Dogs of Doom part and into the finish. I've always thought it was quite obvious. This version is quite obviously the outlier of the six LA versions. Um, the other five are all-time greats and are in my top ten here today. Uh, but this one is just good. I think. Um, kind of reminds me of. It's also the shortest of the LA versions at at 2855. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the June 14th one for the New York versions. Some technically good playing, but feels like it's missing that it factor. Uh, kind of sounds like directionless Coke shredding slash noodling at times, at least. All right, we're now halfway through. <laughs> in 17th, I've got the April 19th Cincinnati version. It cuts in just as the intro begins, so no plantation. Clocks in at 2353. Good opening verses with Plant and Bonham particularly enthusiastic. Jones immediately slips into a dark, ominous groove for the transition to the grand, which is punctuated by some enthusiastic theremin and timpani accompaniment from Page and Bonham. Um, exciting solo from Jones, fairly elaborate and ornate, but still keeping the darker vibes. All three of them really explode into the boogie section simultaneously and play it with quite an edge. Page is pretty fluid, Bonham is aggressive with the fills. Just when it dies down, Jones revs it up again with a loose quote of the Beatles' Lady Madonna, which Page and Bonham jump in on for a second little jam that's quite neat. Elaborate transition to the jam by Jones, but very smooth, doesn't feel wandering at all. Page wastes no time diving into his solo once Jones and Bonham start the groove. Uh... It finds a brief valley fairly early on, then Page fires off a blistering run coming out of that. Bonham is very dynamic, aggressive fills interspersed with pauses. Uh, they're, cl they're clearly jacked up, but they do a good job of keeping the groove just plodding enough. Very nice little call and response between Page and Bonham towards the end during a softer section with light snare rolls from Bonham. A great Bonham-Jones interplay as it's building to the climax, with Bonham on the bell of the ride. Excellent stop-start, call-and-response kind of climax. Uh, overall, a pretty fluid solo from Page. Uh, fairly standard, no-quarter stuff, but executed well. 
very elaborate tag from Jones featuring a furious trill with the right hand. Tons of firecrackers go off once he switches back to the roads, uh, presumably expressing their approval. Page can barely contain himself during the chorus, starting to solo before the outro begins. Um, he and Bonham both go nuts at the start of the outro. Uh, Page actually hints at the acapella solo from Heartbreaker as the song crosses the finish line. Um, very solid, entertaining version with some unique elements like the Lady Madonna jam. Uh, night and day difference between this one and the first five that we heard from the beginning of the tour. Uh, they'd really settled into the 77 arrangement of the piece by this point. Uh, all of the transitions are smooth. There aren't wandering or unsure moments. And it's a shame we're missing the four shows in a row between Chicago and Cincinnati. It would be uh, interesting to hear the progression. In 16th, I've got the June 7th New York version, the first of the six nights at the Garden. Plant's introduction. This next piece, it's getting like a trash can up here. This next piece features the uh, the ever nimble fingers of John Paul Jones. It's called No Quarter. This one clocks in at 25.14. Bonham flexes a bit on the intro. Plant sounds great. Bonham really lets loose on the chorus. A mystical, enchanting transition on the roads by Jones, starting to stretch that portion out a bit at this point in the tour. Hardly any theremin, but you can hear the echo of it. Um, perhaps there's a slight cut in the soundboard right around when Jones shifts over. I didn't listen to the audience tape to compare. Uh, nice solo from Jones with a bit of a cocktail jazz flair, almost a bit Billy Joel, kind of New York state of mind vibes. Uh, fitting for their first show back in New York in over two years. Um, it also seems to very subtly suggest Georgia on my mind, not as overtly as March 21st, 75 in Seattle. And then Jones abruptly dives into Nutrocker, which is their final stab at it, unless they uh, did it in Tempe, which we're missing. Uh, unlikely, I would say, but you never know. Um, Slightly loose on the entrance and exit of it, but overall a solid rendition with Bonham. Very animated and Page's riffing pretty tight. Uh, there's a bit of a gospel flair to the beginning of Jones's transition to the jam, uh, ending on the tonic as he does at uh, the June 26th LA show. Um, he then establishes an upbeat groove reminiscent of March 75, and Page dives right into the solo. Uh, Page starts off quite fluid, then hits a patch that's a bit more suspect, but he never totally derails. Bonham is very animated throughout, linked at the hip with Page. They have a great peak around 15 minutes and a big snare roll leading into the studio motif. A very cool passage starting around 1630 with all three of them playing off of each other beautifully. Really neat stop-start groove from Bonham and Jones around 1745. And then a call and response between Page and Bonham just after 19 minutes. The climax arrives somewhat abruptly about a minute later. Dramatic tag from Jones and he really pounds the first notes back on the roads. Bonham and Page both go wild as they start the outro. Bonham plays a little marching band groove just before the Dogs of Doom part, which features some great phrasing from Page, and then Bonham pummels the crowd as they drive it home. Uh, 
overall, this one, it was the longest of the tour to this point and was a preview of the, the versions that we would get the rest of June, but certainly one of the better ones of the second leg up until this point. All right, in 15th, I've got the July 17th Seattle version, Plant's Introduction. This, uh, this next piece also features Jonesy on piano, on keyboards. It's, uh, it's a song about a journey, or rather a journey that has its pitfalls and a journey with anticipations of all sorts of problems. It's called No Quarter, John Paul Jones. This one clocks in at 27.51. Wispy, mysterious intro from Jones, slightly rubato, giving the impression of tiptoeing out of the wardrobe or something. Uh, Bonham is boisterous upon his entry. Plant sounds uncharacteristically rough for this song on the first verse. Some nice high embellishments with the right hand from Jones during said verse. Bonham is aggressive during the chorus. A spooky transition on the roads from Jones. A brief theremin from Page while Jones shifts over. Jones's solo gets off to a lush, enchanting start. He hits on a very exciting motif a few minutes in and plays with it for a bit. Um, and then from there to the boogie section, it's fairly standard fare for his 77 solos, I would say, which is to say really good, of course. Um, slick stuttering entrance to the boogie on the snare from bottom. Page is actually pretty fluid during the boogie. Uh, Jones continues to add interest throughout toying with the groove. He really comes alive starting at the 12 minute mark. About 30 seconds later, bottom shifts them into this almost yacht rock like jam that's totally unique to this version making it one of my favorite boogie sections of the tour at the beginning it almost reminds me of the 10 ribs and all carrot pod pod uh, bonus track on the presence super deluxe edition um uh and then we get another groove unique to this version from jones as uh from jones as bonham crashes in to start the jam uh, Page and Bonham both come alive when Jones hits on this exciting groove. Page gets off to a nice fluid start on his solo. Bonham is fired up, and the two of them have some nice interplay just before 17 minutes. Jones is quite boisterous as well, continuing to propel it along with ornate flourishes. Page and Bonham hit a unison peak starting just before 19 minutes. Slightly awkward exit from the jam by Page to go with Bonham's machine gun snare blast and a somber tag from Jones. Overall, a very energetic midsection with Page, pretty fluid on the whole, a few sticky moments notwithstanding. Uh, perhaps not the most creative midsection of the tour, though. Uh, Plant sounds much better on the, the verse here after the jam. Page takes off like a rocket on the outro. Really excellent phrasing, uh, fast and fluid. Nice. And uh, nice spooky little touches from Jones at the very end of the song. Kind of like the uh, the March 12th, 75 Long Beach intro, but as an outro instead and much shorter. Um, I think this Seattle one is a very good version. Um, the, the show as a whole gets a bad rap. Um, Somewhat rightfully so, but a lot of that is due to the the very thin sound of the so-called soundboard that's actually a soundtrack from the, the video feed. Um, 
So that's part of it. Plant sounding quite rough for some reason after three weeks off is part of it as well. But uh, Paige actually isn't as bad as he's made out to be at this show, I don't think. Uh, he turns in a pretty good no quarter here and an excellent stairway solo. Uh, anyhow, um, this is a really good version with a unique boogie section, a ferocious outro from Paige. Uh, Jones in a nice somber mood, and uh, the other components are all pretty good. Uh, I, I debated the order of this one and the one that's just ahead of it, and uh, I think they're the the best of the class just beneath the, the really good ones or the great ones from this tour. And I will say I made these notes based off of listening to uh, Godfather's remaster of the video soundtrack. Uh, the The title of that boot is Conquering Kingdom, uh, which I think is the best sounding version out there of the video soundtrack. But then I also listened to the audience tape of this show for No Quarter the next day, which I had not before, and it definitely casts the show in a better light. So in 14th, I've got the June 8th New York version, second of the Six Nights at the Garden, Plant's introduction. This next piece features uh, John Paul Jones on keyboards. It's called No Quarter. Comes in at 2636. A powerful intro with Bonham going wild, repeatedly firing his machine gun snare blasts. Uh, this is one of his most over-the-top shows of the year, if not ever. Uh, Plant sounds great and is animated. Bottom unleashes a series of incredibly fast fills during the chorus. Haunting, foreboding transition on the roads from Jones, uh, one of the best to this point in the tour. Page gets some great squeals out of the theremin as Bottom slowly builds his timpani roll while Jones switches over. Uh, energetic, magical start to the solo from Jones. Bonham is very animated during Jones's solo, frequently punctuating things with two sixteenth notes on the bass drum, uh, which I don't think he ever did on another version um, playing during Jones's solo. Once Jones had switched over to the grand, um, sometimes in 73, he would uh, toss in a few uh, timpani uh you know embellishments to to accent what Jones was doing but that's when Jones's solo was still on the roads um anyway so this version's cool for that and then Jones turns turns the solo kind of warm and graceful as if to force Bonzo to butt out uh Bonham takes off like a runaway freight train once Jones launches the groove for the boogie section Page lets them groove for a few bars before making his way in Great Jones Bonham interplay during the boogie. Page is decently fluid, but doesn't go too crazy, which is okay. It dies down a bit, then comes back for a semi-peak, then spirals away very gracefully. Uh, I love what Jones does, transitioning from the boogie to the jam here. Page's tone is excellent during the jam. It seems a bit ballsier and less screechy than was sometimes the case in 77, to my ears at least, uh, but that can always be idiosyncrasies of the recording as well. Uh, he gets some decent runs in to start the solo, but you get the sense that he's building up to something big. Uh, sure enough, a few minutes in, he triggers Bonham to go off for several bars, at which point Jones also dials up the intensity. 
this leads us into the studio motif a nice kind of mid intensity jam for two minutes or so thereafter then bonham and jones seem to be prodding page to go off but he doesn't so they pull it back briefly uh then page unleashes a bit of fury briefly before shifting to the riffing that leads to the climax uh, bonham punctuates this with some cool stuff on the bell of the ride a very whimsically extravagant tag from jones one of the best of the tour to this point page gets some great runs in to start the outro and bonham goes crazy again unique uh, ride and tom stuff from bonham just before the dogs of doom part and then he does the the fill that i was mentioning that he does on june 21st uh as the song wraps up after the dogs of doom part uh, bonham and jones are amazing on this version creative and aggressive throughout attention to detail on the transitions adding unique elements to each portion of the song plant sounds great and page is good enough that it's still a really good version and it's not even that he has any real mistakes he just doesn't really go off during the jam it's almost like he plays great rhythm guitar for a lot of it which i guess is okay to an extent when bonham and jones are this good but you know all right then in 13th i have the may 30th landover version the last of the four nights there plant's introduction this next piece you can have whatever you want it'll all come in time so shut up a bit this next piece is quite old how's that it features the uh the subtle fingers of john paul jones it's called no quarter clocks in at 2243 powerful intro with a quicker pace than the, the 26th and 28th in landover nice little embellishments from jones heading into the verse plant sounds very good there seems to be a pinch of confusion uh, with either Page, Bonham, or Jones cutting the chorus off early or Plant expecting it to last too long. Uh, it's very slight, but something I noticed. A short atmospheric transition on the roads with brief uh, theremin and timpani as Jones switches over. Beautiful, lush beginning to the solo by Jones. He tosses in a bit of Rachmaninoff, uh, which was apparently for the benefit of a Russian dignitary who was in attendance. Uh, makes sense with it being a DC show. Overall, it's a pretty, it's a very pretty suspenseful solo from Jones. Uh, sadly, the soundboard gets a bit overloaded when he plays forcefully in the mid to low frequencies, but it doesn't detract too much. Uh, one of the coolest grooves of the year launches the boogie section page is very on this night and is fluid and confident on the boogie section uh, outright mimicking jones's groove at times pushing it in new directions at at other times bonham plays it nice and tight uh powerful but doesn't get too boisterous to risk disrupting the excellent groove uh, perhaps he also didn't feel the need to cover for page at all the boogie section fades away smoothly uh, leaving us wanting more great transition to the jam sounds like getting ready the night before riding to battle page is very fluid and fiery during the solo bonham matches the intensity but doesn't compete with him for the most part jones gets a nice groove going around the time of the studio motif which hits at about 15 minutes the ensuing valley leads to a huge spacious stop start riff with 
uh, from Page with Bonham and Jones basically stopped. Uh, we don't quite get a full release after that, and it climaxes a minute or so later. Uh, very distinguished sounding tag from Jones. Uh, plant sounds good again on the verse chorus at the end. Um, more great playing from Page on the outro. Afterwards, Plant says they've come to the point where Jones makes his way quite casually while drinking wine behind the amplifiers. Come on, Jonesy. What an old wanker. That's the trouble with doing three hours or more on stage, you know. Some of them can't keep the pace. Uh, he was obviously joking, as Jones was probably the most consistent rock star ever. Anyhow, Paige and Jones in particular are really great on this No Quarter, but there are others where Plant, and more specifically Bonham, are a bit more over the top, and also this one is uh, several minutes shorter than most of the... Uh, the epics from June, which not that length equals quality, but if quality is roughly equal, I would rather have more than less personally, at least. All right. In 12th, I've got the April 23rd Atlanta version plants introduction. We seem to have a little bit of trouble as if it's raining on stage, something to do with the concrete, right? And then something indecipherable. Uh, it's quite a rough recording. This, uh, anyway, amidst the chaos of things, more indecipherable stuff, this next piece features the, uh, and then something else, indecipherable, but presumably piano or fingers or something like that, of John Paul Jones. It's called No Quarter. Uh, clock's in at 24.25 and is cut. Bottom is fiery on the opening verses and plant sounds great. Ominous transition on the roads from Jones the uh, usual timpani and theremin while he shifts over. Jones's sol solo uh, starts a bit jazzier than most 77 ones, then shifts toward the more typical uh, classical style of 77, abruptly explodes into the boogie section with Bonham pounding away at warp speed, stops and restarts several times, uh, one of the most joyous and aggressive boogie sections of the year. Nice transition to the main jam by Jones. Page eases in with some bluesy licks as Bonham is revving up on the hi-hat before his big entrance. Nice. Uh, some very tight and intricate uh, spiraling interplay between them right off the bat. Page is very fluid and in command, ripping off some great runs. Jones and Bonham lock into a jazzy stop-start groove as Page plays some aggressive blues licks, uh, call-and-response style with them. Bonham is incredibly jacked up on this one, emptying magazines from his machine gun snare at every turn. Page hits on a cool riff at around 19 minutes, which leads to another great stop-start groove. It briefly drifts into a peaceful valley before starting to build up to the climax, which is sadly cut, as I bet it would have been an epic one. We pick up in the middle of Jones's tag on the way back to the verse, Page rips off some furious runs to start the outro. Uh, the tape quality could hide a lot, but it sounds like 73 level playing. And then we get the first recorded instance of Plant repeating the Dogs of Doom are Howling More part during the outro. Um, I say recorded because it's possible it happened the second night in Cincinnati, which we are missing no quarter from. Um, Anyhow, the sound quality is quite rough on this one, but 
I think what we have is good enough to have it in 12th, and it's possible that it would be a few spots higher even with a better recording. In 11th, I have the June 10th New York version, the third of the six nights at the garden, Plant's introduction. So as I was saying, this is a number that features John Paul Jones on keyboards and has strange vibes. It's called No Quarter. Uh, clock's in at 26.43 and is cut. Um, one of the taper's friends says, I'm going to have a piss. Can you hang on to this? Just as the song is getting started, uh, who uses their bathroom break during No Quarter? Um, much less when it's only the sixth song of the show. Anyhow, uh, Bonham gets some good fills in on the intro. Plant sounds good, short but sweet transition on the roads. Jones's solo is good, but perhaps a bit wandering compared to some of the better ones. A slight cut leaves us in the boogie section, which is led by a very nice, mellow, early rock and roll kind of groove from Jones. A brief, suspenseful transition into the main jam and 1973 page appears as the jam gets underway uh, completely on one of his best versions of the year bonham and jones both match his intensity and the interplay between the three of them is fantastic jones creates amazing suspense around the studio motif which triggers a violent tornado outbreak from page and bonham page lays it on with the wah shortly thereafter the climax is kind of a slow walking away from the jam as opposed to a big bang. Nice tag from Jones, but doesn't jump out from the pack uh, as far as, you know, compared to the other ones on the tour. Page again takes flight on the outro. Apart from Page being very fluid and powerful during the jam, I would say that this is a really good version that doesn't necessarily distinguish itself from the pack through either... Uh, uniqueness or brilliance from everybody, but Page being so good definitely makes it deserving of 11th at least. In 10th, I've got the May 18th Birmingham, Alabama version, the first show of the second leg. Plant's introduction. This next piece is uh, features uh, John Paul Jones on keyboards. It's called No Quarter. Uh, clock's in at 20 minutes 41 seconds. Page enters slightly late, coming out of the first verse. Plant sounds great on the opening verses. Very mystical-sounding transition on the roads from Jones, starting to stretch out at this point in the tour. Huge swell on the timpani by Bonham as Jones switches over to the grand, uh, and then um, Jones matches the swell on the grand once he's moved over. Uh, very dramatic, the best transition of the best uh, version of this particular transition uh, up till this point in the tour and pages uh, theremin accompaniment is good too a fun energetic solo from jones which explodes abruptly into the boogie section with page and bonham both pouncing on it in unison a great boogie section very lively page is fluid um, it dies down as if it's done but then they bring it back around for another peak, featuring some absolute bombs from Bonzo. Uh, it slips into the transition to the jam very smoothly. The jam erupts with Bonham firing off that June 21st fill and Page uh, launching right in as he does it. Page is very locked in, ripping off lightning runs with laser precision. 
Bonham is extremely energetic and aggressive, sometimes matching Paige, sometimes sparring with him. Paige builds great tension, uh, teasing the studio motif, and turns on a dime a minute or two after that into an incredibly energetic jam that lasts about 30 seconds or so uh, before splintering into the explosive climax. Very nice tag from Jones, and he's great throughout the jam, by the way. Um, he even has an extra burst of energy when he switches back to the roads. Uh, Plant unleashes a startlingly good air raid during the powerful outro. This is really an explosive, fluid, and focused version. Uh, one of the better ones of the tour, and out of character for me to put one that just barely crosses 20 minutes uh, in the top 10 ahead of ones that are closer to 30, but this one is really good and tight. In ninth, I've got the June 11th New York version, the fourth of the six nights at the Garden. Plant's introduction. This next piece features Jonesy, John Paul Jones, on piano. It's called No Quarter. This one clocks in at 31.48. You can tell from Jonesy's patient, moody intro that we're in for a long ride. Bonham and Page slip in with the mood Jones has set. Great ominous embellishments from Jones throughout the opening verse. Big snare roll from Bonham during the chorus. Mysterious, hypnotizing transition on the roads by Jones. Best to this point of the tour. Great theremin work from Page while Jones shifts over. He ends up sounding like the flying monkeys from The Wizard of Oz. And Bonham's timpani roll is understated to complement it. Jones's piano solo is elaborate and exquisite, one of his best. Dramatic, diverse, seems to have a plot. Quite long as well, uh, we hit the boogie section at the 11 minute mark of the song. Bonham starts to enter for the boogie, but Jones holds him back for a second while he sets the groove just right. Uh, he's in charge on this one. Jones's playing is amazing during the boogie section, uh, channeling the best of Jerry Lee Lewis, Ian Stewart, Nicky Hopkins, you name them. Uh, Bonham chops up the groove nicely where appropriate. Page has some cool riffing, very in sync with Jones. I love his phrasing from 1445 to 1515 uh, or so, just as the boogie section is winding down. A uh, very slick shift out of the boogie section into setting the tone for the jam by Jones. Uh, he transforms the mood with a single note, then has some more elaborate touches as he leads the jam out into the snowy night. We get a March 75-esque start to the jam briefly with Jones and Bonham, laying a jazzy groove and Page doing some of that wispy riffing. Page isn't as fluid as he was the night before, but he's not the train wreck that some make him out to be on it either. Um, the soundboard has some very unflattering distortion on it. Um, Jones is incredible throughout the jam, having complete conversations with himself between his two hands, which double as conversations with Page and Bonham. Uh, Bonham matches Page for a nice little peek at the 20 minute mark. Some great riffing from Page at 21 minutes, just before the studio motif reminds me a bit of March 27th, 75 in LA, which is my favorite version of that portion of the song. After several minutes of great high-low action, Jones erupts in the mid-range at the sounding of the studio motif. 
and then it morphs into a shuffly feel at around 23 minutes, led by Jones and Bonham. Page tugs at the reins, and it builds to somewhat of a peak, but it's not the climax yet. We get a huge, spacious stop-start, call-and-response type interplay following this, uh, featuring some massive low chords from Jones. Page abruptly initiates a bluegrass boogie kind of hybrid at 25 minutes, which Bonham jumps on seemingly as Page thought of it. And then the climax sneaks up on you just after 26 minutes. Jones's tag at the end of the jam is every bit as elaborate as his solo was, and he finishes with massive low notes that hang there like the closing chord on the Beatles' A Day in the Life. Massive fill around the kit from Bonham during the chorus. Page is pretty good on the outro, and Plant sounds good on this version, by the way, but not his best of the year. Uh, this version is the longest that they had played to this point um, at, what did I say it came in at? 31, 31.48, so a little over a minute longer than the March 14th, 75 San Diego version, which was the only one that had crossed 30 minutes up to this point. Um, the the March 27th, 75 LA one is like a minute or less under 30 minutes. Um, anyhow, uh, so the longest they had done to this point and by far the longest of the tour thus far by at least four minutes or so. Um, but it would cross 30 several times in Los Angeles after this. Anyway, um, if you could transplant the page that played on the main jam the night before this onto this version, it would be really incredible. Um, as it is, I really should listen to the audience tape to see how much the unflattering soundboard affects how page sounds. Uh, in any case, Jones is really amazing from start to finish on this one, and Bonham is pretty great too. So that coupled it, coupled with it being the fourth longest ever, uh, makes for a must-hear version for sure. In eighth, I have the April 28th Cleveland version, the second night there, penultimate show of the first leg, Plant's introduction. This next piece uh, features John Paul Jones on piano. It's called No Quaalude. Sorry, no quarter. Uh, clock's in at 22.41. Jones seems to take his time just a bit more than usual with the intro, sounding really dark and ominous like the studio version. Bonham unleashes a machine gun snare roll, followed by a dramatic pause just after he and Paige enter. Plant sounds fantastic, holding the path where no one goes for eternity. A very mystical, enchanting transition on the roads by Jones. Bonham keeps his timpani roll uh, subdued, while Paige unleashes the theremin as Jones shifts over, then has a bit more to say once Jones is on the grand. Uh, Jones's solo is very stately and majestic, as if we're in a Renaissance palace or seeing Mozart at the Vienna Opera House. Bonham interjects briefly with an impatient burst. Uh, this is one of his most fired-up shows of the year, which was uh, one of his most, probably his most fired-up year in general. Um, uh, debatable, but yeah, this is one of his most fired-up shows ever. Um, 
Fittingly, it charges seamlessly into Nutrocker for the boogie section. The slightly more careful tempo really benefits Nutrocker, leading to an extremely tight take of it uh, and still very explosive. Um, for what it's worth, the more careful tempos here and uh, two nights later at the Silverdome in Detroit um, have always been one of the more compelling arguments for uh, Pontiac having been filmed, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if they were already recording here in Cleveland and then, um, you know, so that there's more audio to choose from when you're putting it together. Um, sometimes I find bands dial it back just a hair to when they know they're recording to make sure that uh, everything comes off cleanly. Anyway, um, after Nutrocker dies away and Jones begins to transition toward the main jam, they pick up into a phenomenal jazzy jam that lasts a good two minutes, I'd say, and reminds me a bit of Super Tramps from now on, only much more uplifting and hopeful as opposed to melancholic and resigned. And that album, even in the quietest moments, was released a few weeks earlier, so I wouldn't be surprised if they had heard it. I could see Jones in particular enjoying it. Um, if only all cocktail lounge jazz sounded heavy and jubilant like this, I might listen to more of it. Um, a fittingly elaborate transition from this jazzy jam into the main jam. Bonham again fires the machine gun snare as he enters, uh, then goes wild with the crashes. Page is pretty fluid in the early going with excellent phrasing. He fires off a blistering run about a minute in, which Bonham then echoes, and this is a theme throughout. Just before the studio motif, Bonham unleashes a long string of very fast fills around the entire kit. Amazing phrasing from Page just before 1730 as Jones is becoming more boisterous. It somewhat abruptly reaches the climax just after that, abrupt in the sense that I wish it would go on longer, but they pull it off very smoothly, and it's better than going on past the jam's natural peak. Uh, Jones's tag is magnificent, reminiscent of the one on March 21st, 75 in Seattle, and definitely his wildest since then. Uh, Plant again sounds great on the verse chorus after the jam. Page really goes off on the outro. And we get the first instance of the Dogs of Doom are howling more uh, settled into the way it would be the rest of the tour, um, where Bonham does the big snare roll and they stop after each repetition. Uh, Jones adds some cool extras as the song winds to a close. Very powerful, entertaining version. Um, Page doesn't go off during the solo as much as he does on some of the other greats from this tour, but it's not because the fluidity isn't there. He does show flashes of it. I think he was toying with Bonham, who he knew was wound up like a $2 watch and eager to play it like a runaway train. Um, he lets his fingers fly, thus letting Bonham loose, and then pulls him in with a big bend, stuff like that. Um, he's in total command the whole time, which can't always be said of 77 versions, and it would be easy to get steamrolled by Bonham on a night like this, but he doesn't. Uh, it's also one of Jones's best versions of the year, uh, one of his best ever, probably very ornate and entertaining playing with unique touches in each and every section. 
and plant sounding great is the icing on the cake. Um, I only wish it were longer, only uh, 2241, I think I said, right? Uh, yeah, it's too bad this one wasn't closer to 30 minutes with how well they were playing. In seventh, I have the one after that, April 30th in Detroit, or Pontiac, whichever you prefer. Plant's introduction, well, it's getting warmed up now. This song, this next piece features uh, John Paul Jones on keyboards. It's one that you might know. It's called No Quarter. Clock's in at 24.26. Another patient, moody intro by Jones. Some nice embellishments of the riff by Page right off the bat when he enters. Plant is phenomenal on the opening verses. This was one of his best nights of the year. A melancholic, forlorn transition on the roads by Jones. Understated timpani and theremin by Bonham and Page, in keeping with the mood Jones has set. Jazzier, darker solo than usual for 77 by Jones. More like a March 75 solo, which is fine by me, of course. Still quite elaborate, though. Reminds me of the March 20th. 75 Vancouver version, which gives me uh, Beauty and the Beast, Rocky Mountains kind of vibes. Uh, maybe this one is Great Lakes Wilderness. Just after eight minutes, he hits on a gorgeous five-note phrase high up with his right hand while his left is flowing quite quickly in the mid-range. About two minutes later, he pounds out some big low notes, then heads in a slightly more classical direction, more typical of the 77 solos. A very exciting groove develops out of this to lead us into the boogie section. He's full of melodic ideas throughout the boogie section. Page's entrance is smooth and right on cue, and he's quite fluid. Bonham starts to assert himself about halfway through, chopping up the beat nicely. He's not as aggressive as he was two nights earlier in Cleveland, but blends in with the hole better here. Very smooth exit from the boogie section that would slide right by you if you aren't paying attention. It just vanishes, leaving us sailing one of the nearby Great Lakes on a stormy night as Jones casts his spell over the waves with the transition to the main jam. Then a big, erratic, in a good way, Phil from Bonham launches the jam at 16 minutes and Paige enters right away. Incredible Phil from Bonham at 17.30, and there were a few great ones before that too that I didn't draw attention to. Uh, he's telepathically in sync with Paige. Speaking of Paige, he's legitimately at 73 level fluidity here. It dips down briefly around 19 minutes, then all three of them absolutely explode out of that. Paige ripping off a blindingly fast and fluid run. Paige hits an awesome riff just before 20 minutes, and this leads right into the massive climax, which features some very cool interplay between the three of them. Less elaborate tag by Jones than the one two nights earlier in Cleveland, but perfect for the mood of this one. Plant is again excellent on the verse chorus after the jam. Page rips off a brief but furious run to start the outro, then pulls it back for the Dogs of Doom part. Overall, this is a fantastic no quarter with Jones turning in one of his longest and best piano solos, Page being completely in the zone, Bonham being crushing without overdoing it, and plant sounding amazing as well. Like two nights earlier, my only complaint is that I wish the main jam were longer. Um, it lasts less than five minutes, which makes this one feel a bit lopsided, 
given the length of the piano solo. Um, and Paige was in such a zone, like, imagine I, if the if the main jam had been twice as long this could uh seriously contend for tops of the tour but anyhow all four of them being so on makes this the best of the first leg i think and um fully deserving of the seventh spot for the tour all right in sixth uh, sure to ruffle some feathers probably more than were ruffled by the june 14th New York one being so low, in sixth I have the June 21st Los Angeles version, the first of the six nights at the Forum. Plant's introduction. We'd like to welcome back to the world John Bonham, who had a terrible fit of food poisoning. Welcome back, John Bonham. He ate far too many rhinestones. That, by the way, featured Jimmy Page on guitar. It's really nice to be back in the sun. And there was a big cheer when he said Jimmy Page on guitar. So then he says, so if all we got to do to go down well is to say Jimmy, Jimmy, something a little harder then. We're going to feature a, a very warm friend of ours who's often playing with the band these days. John Paul Jones on keyboards, no quarter. This one comes in at 2901. Some nice embellishments from Jones on the intro. Powerful once Bonham and Paige join. Plant sounds excellent. Bonham chops it up some during the opening verse chorus. Page's theremin begins to echo in the distance during Jones's ominous transition on the roads. Great theremin timpani burst while Jones shifts over to the grand. Jones's solo begins very airy and magical sounding. At 7.20, he hits on a suspenseful phrase and runs it through a few permutations. As others have noted, it contains hints of your time is going to come, particularly right around the nine-minute mark. It grows very organically into the boogie section starting around 10.15. This night's boogie is a groovy, bluesy, mid-tempo, honky-tonk sort of deal. Great chemistry between the three of them. Page is quite fluid. Slightly awkward finish to the boogie section, but Jones saves it with a tasteful tag. He then builds an incredibly suspenseful trill from near silence leading into the transition to the jam. The pent-up energy is palpable as Jones establishes the groove for the jam and Bonham and Page ease their way in. Page focuses on the phrasing in the early going of the solo. His chemistry with Bonham is off the charts. He starts to build up a good head of steam heading into the 18-minute mark, which Bonham latches onto, leading to an eruption from him about 15 seconds later. Page hits on some heavy chords around 18.30. Bonham, followed by Jones, immediately echo his runs for nearly a minute thereafter. Incredible call and response between Bonham and Page for just over 30 seconds, starting around 19.30, leading to an unbelievably explosive peak at around 20.10. Page launches into a slightly erratic run about a minute later that leads into the studio motif, complimented by Bonham going absolutely wild. Bonham flicks the snares off briefly around 22.10, then initiates a very jumpy, jazzy pattern centered around the bell of the ride for several bars, which leads into some huge chords from Page, uh, which Bonham latches onto to lead us into the crushing climax. Uh, as the year of Led Zeppelin puts it, quote, 
cascading over the crowd in thunderous waves. Highly dramatic tag from Jones, pounding away in the lower registers. Ethereal noodling from Paige as Jones shifts back to the roads. Plant sounds great on the closing verse chorus. Paige's riffing is powerful and Bonham's aggression continues. Paige focuses on the huge bends during the outro and Bonham fills the gaps with some aggressive bass drum work. Paige holds an arresting bend into a squeal of feedback to great effect during the Dogs of Doom part and then Bonham nails that string of fast fills around the kit coming out of Dogs of Doom. Uh, Perhaps the most powerful version of No Quarter ever, thanks in large part to Bonham being coked to the gills and eager to prove himself after a lackluster showing in San Diego two nights earlier. It's very unique for Bonham taking the lead to such a large extent during the jam, uh, somewhat to, I was somewhat surprised though that at this juncture of the tour it was not my number one. I figured there were a few from LA just after it that might pass it, but I thought it would be my leader in the clubhouse at this point, but there is one from before it that I had slightly ahead of it due to uh, Paige Jones and Plant being a bit better on it and Bonham being not far behind, and we'll get to that I think one spot from now, like not the next one, but the one after. All right. Kicking off the top five, I have the June 27th, Los Angeles version, the last of the six nights at the forum plants intro. Well, I guess this is the last time round that we're going to be featuring, um, at least for a while, the very nimble fingers. In fact, the very sneaky nimble fingers. In fact, the man who went to sleep last night with some strawberry tart in the pocket of his jeans, John Paul Jones, no quarter. And that's a uh, a euphemism for those of you who didn't catch that. Um, this one clocks in at 33.18, second longest of all time. Uh, dark, mysterious, patient intro from Jones. Bonham gets a great fill in during the intro. Page has great snarl on the intro. Plant sounds great. Jones adopts a dark, mysterious, patient mood again for his transition on the roads. Tosses in a delicate, haunting melody towards the end before it drifts off into the mist. Great theremin howls from Page and a soft, menacing roll on the timpani from Bonham as Jones shifts over. Jones's solo begins like a Pacific Northwest 75 one dramatic, haunting, ornate, and jazzy. He even seems to tease the awesome groove from uh, March 27th, 75 at the Forum, which draws a big cheer. Uh, perhaps people were remembering from the uh, the last LA show the previous time around. Anyway, um, moves into a slightly more uplifting groove just before eight minutes, uh, before this morphs into a dark, suspenseful groove less than a minute later. He plays an awesome ascending stepwise climb with his right hand over this groove just after 10 minutes. Then it empties out into a little meadow here in the enchanted forest, followed by a magical series of runs. Right around 12 minutes, he starts to shift us toward the boogie section. Um, one of his longest and most entertaining piano solos and kind of the perfect blend between 
the 75 and 77 styles of his soloing. Um, Page very softly accompanies him over some of the extended saunter toward the boogie. Fantastic chemistry between the three of them during the boogie section. A nice shuffly groove between Bonham and Jones, and Page is very fluid during this section. It crashes to a halt nicely, clearing the runway for Jones's spellbinding transition to the jam, wafting in like fog off the nearby Pacific Ocean. Really smooth build into the jam by all three of them. Big fill from Bonham is followed by some very nice riffing from Page, who prolongs starting the solo a little bit, finally diving in just before 19 minutes. Which is pretty impressive if you think about I mean, some would say <laughs> it's not impressive, but... um to consider that you know versions of the song from the beginning of the tour would be like finishing at the 19 minute mark and here by the end of the second leg page is just starting the solo at the 19 minute mark um impressive because they didn't really add any new sections over the course of the tour it's not like uh you know, in 75, there's a big length difference between the beginning and the end, uh, even bigger, because you got ones that are 12 minutes at the very beginning, and then that San Diego one is 30 minutes, but they added the the grand piano, which was a huge thing for the length of it. Um, so it's cool how much it evolved within relatively the same structure here in 77. Uh, anyway, Page is pretty fluid out of the gate, and Bonham is quite aggressive, but not overdoing it. Jones is bubbly right from the start on this one, adding a lot of interest. Bonham and Page lock in for a powerful passage around 2040. Huge build from them leading up to the 22-minute mark, at which point they erupt with Page firing off a nice run. Page teases like he's going to oblige Bonham in some call-and-response action about a minute later, but pulls away and embarks on an angular series of runs. Big flourish from Jones around 2340 triggers Bonham and Page to come alive even further than they already were. Jones has a phenomenal groove going beneath them. Bonham chops up the beat nicely just after 24 minutes. Page lets his fingers fly just before 25 minutes, and Bonham erupts in response. After that, they kind of lock into being out of sync with each other in a really amazing way, uh, and it uh, takes the tension up immensely. Um, hopefully, you know what I mean by that. But uh, anyway, Bonham back on the reins with a series of little snare rolls around 26 minutes. Page follows along and provides some excellent phrasing through this softer passage, though he quickly shifts to very powerful riffing. Jones really goes wild through here, very reminiscent of March 21st, 75 in Seattle, where he becomes really boisterous as the jam is heading toward the climax and actually goes into a different key than Page. But anyway, um, it starts to build up a massive head of steam with a huge riff that Page concocts around 27 minutes, but they pull it back into a softer space again, then bring it to a somewhat abrupt climax. Uh, then one of Jones's most elaborate tags concludes the jam. Nice ethereal noodling from Page as Jones moves back over. Plant drops the microphone after side by side with death then proclaims still works after he picks it back up. Um, 
which is worse than dropping it because that breaks the fourth wall, uh, which No Quarter is not a song to do that on, in my opinion. It has that cinematic quality to it. But anyway, um, Bonham explodes to launch the outro, which Paige dives into headfirst with some great fluid playing on the wah. Great phrasing from Paige during the Dogs of Doom section. He gets some great feedback as he and uh, Jones glide it to a finish. And afterwards, Plant says, John Paul Jones, Grand Piano, John Paul Jones. Ah, good evening. I see so many faces I've seen before, it's unbelievable. How are you doing, all right? It's rather like when you start rehearsing and you sort of keep looking at each other and going, didn't we play in a band together once? John Paul Jones has safely got the strawberry tart out of his pocket now, and he also got it out of his hair. He woke up with a half tin of sardines by his nose, so he had a really nice pleasant sleep last night. And so it's with great pleasure that we introduce him with his three-necked instrument, which is why we're so envious of him. And the same to you. Someone must have made some gesture at him, and then he says, For a man who always stayed in the background, he's getting a lot of strawberry pie. Um so that plants teasing of Jones about whatever escapade he had with his badge holder the night before, uh, is another highlight of this version. Um, this is kind of a maddening version of no quarter, uh, which might seem peculiar to say about one that I put in the top five, but it's so close to being a serious greatest of all time contender. However, in ascending order of importance, plant, drops the mic and breaks the fourth wall during the last verse. Page never gets around to the studio motif during the solo. And most damningly, I think they pulled the lid off of that incredible riff that they were working up before it reached a boil when it sound like, sounded like it was about to absolutely detonate the arena. And then they kind of abruptly cut the jam off without a really satisfying climax had they had that riff that they were working up peaked like it sounded like it was going to, uh, this would be a serious contender for the number one spot. Uh, it's still an all-time great, though, and as I said, the second longest ever coming in at uh, 33.18. All right, in fourth place, I have the June 13th New York version, the fifth of the six nights at the Garden, Plant's Introduction, this next piece is, uh, I guess it tells the tale of a voyage that you might say through time. It could be from one hotel room to another, or it could be just one of those voyages that we have to take from time to time, a journey in life. It's called No Quarter. It features John Paul Jones. This one clocks in at 2703. Great dynamics to Jones's intro, getting very soft and delicate. Then he accents one of the low notes, like the studio version. Powerful once Paige and Bonham enter. I remember years ago someone on the Zeppelin forum singled out 577 shows that each highlighted a different aspect of their greatness. And um, it was the April 28th Cleveland one for endurance, which, uh, yeah, debatable, I guess. Uh, like it's one of the shorter ones of the year, but they do keep a pretty steady high energy throughout. Um, May 22nd, Fort Worth for power. The June 21st, LA for chemistry. June 26th, LA for 
technical precision. All those are pretty fair picks. And this June 13th New York show, uh, he singled out for their bravado, and I couldn't agree more. Um, Plant sounds incredible and holds a gorgeous note for an eternity on the path where no one goes, holds the word goes for a long time. Um, Haunting transition on the roads that disappears into the night, overtaken by Bonham's timpani and Page's theremin. Highly dramatic solo from Jones that stays darker than most 77 solos, which I love, more in keeping with the mood of the song. It still has that elaborate, ornate quality of the 77 solos, but stays more dark and mysterious. He starts a very fast groove for the boogie section, which is great since Bonham is very wired at this show. Uh, He's chomping at the bit to fully dive in, and Jones does a big slide to let him loose like the starting gun at the Kentucky Derby. Page is very fluid, having no trouble keeping up with the pace that Jones and Bonham have set. This is surely one of the most fiery boogie sections of the tour, all three of them fully letting loose and fully in sync, all at breakneck speed. Great tease of a wind down, like it barely winds down, and then they explode into another wave of it. Um, Awesome tumbling down the stairs sort of climax to the boogie section. Jones immediately slips back into the mood that he had going during his solo, and it's very smooth. Another March 75-esque start to the main jam with a cool Jones Bonham groove and some wispy riffing from Page before he takes off. Once he does take off, I think he's every bit as fluid as he is on June 10th. Um, His phrasing is really on point too, very emotional. Bonham and Jones are very locked in with him, complimenting what he's doing telepathically while also tossing ideas his way here and there. All three of them are really energetic, too. It hits a great peak starting around 1645, which isn't the first, by the way. Um, Page repeats an awesome little phrase just after that, followed by some fantastic call and response between he and Bonham, uh, foreshadowing what they would do on the June 21st one we talked about a few minutes ago. Page comes up with a neat spin on his usual no-quarter riffs to lead into the studio motif, some great speedy runs coming out of the studio motif. Page goes off starting around 19 minutes, uh, 73 level fluidity and aggression, and Bonham and Jones answer the call. Bonham goes 16th notes on the hi-hat starting around 2015, leaving some space for Jones's eruption in the lower register and Page's riffing that would seem to lead to the climax, but he decides to dial up one last peak, and then we get a great climax, followed by one of my favorite Jones tags ever, as he starts it with Chim Chim Cherie from Mary Poppins, before hammering out some huge low chords. Huge echoing howls from the theremin on Dogs of Doom, and Plant's vocals echo in sync with it. Uh, Speaking of which, Plant sounds fantastic here at the end as well. Um, Bonham obliterates his crashes heading into the outro, which Page crushes. I think it's the the best executed Dogs of Doom section that they had done to this point, at least, and, uh, you know, probably on par with the best of the LA ones that followed really screeching peaks. 
page echoes some gut-wrenching bends coming out of Dogs of Doom. Afterwards, Plant says, That was a song with some cryptic undertones, I guess. That's why it featured John Paul Jones. Uh, I think this is an all-time great version of No Quarter and was the best non-LA version of the tour. Uh, it's, uh, you know, all four of them are really on. The chemistry is great. It's energetic. It's focused. It's got some uniqueness. Um, there's a lot to love about this No Quarter. And at 27.03, it, uh, it ranges from three to seven minutes shorter than the ones above it. So if you want a like best of the tour that's still reasonably concise to check out, go with this one. All right, now the top three, and I should say that these three are really close, and I don't think there's really a wrong way to order them. Uh, well, even the top four, that the one we just talked about, June 13th, I do think there's kind of a it's not huge, but there's a clear separation. I think those top four, uh, the Mount Rushmore, if you will, um, for sure these top three, um, cause they're all in a similar ballpark lengthwise. They have that epic quality crossing the 30 minute mark. I think they, uh, you can order them any which way and it's pretty fair. But the order I've gone with, in third, I have the June 26th Los Angeles version, the fifth of the six nights at the Forum. Plant's introduction. This next piece uh, features the evergreen, eh? This features a man who has with him tonight a badge holder, John Paul Jones, no quarter. So that uh, explains his, uh, his teasing of him the following night. Uh... I'm sure you're aware of it if you're listening to an episode this far down the rabbit's hole about 77, but a uh, badge holder was their euphemism for groupies. This one clocks in at 32.20, the third longest ever, uh, basically exactly a minute shorter than the June 27th one, which was 33.18, and uh, we'll get to the longest one in one of the two remaining spots. Um, very dramatic intro from Jones in contrast to the soft one the night before on the 25th. Uh, powerful once Page and Bonham enter with Bonham providing some cool stuttering fills. Ominous first verse. Plant sounds fantastic. This was one of his best nights of the year. More stuttering fills from Bonham during the chorus. Groovy transition on the roads by Jones that grows more ethereal as it goes along ending with some enchanting high notes, which was unusual, very nice. A brilliant symphony of theremin from Page as Jones shifts over with low, rumbling timpani from Bonham. Jones begins the solo with an extended series of ominous low notes, and Page helps out by uh, returning to the theremin briefly. Very lush, magical sound as Jones wanders deeper into the solo, still making great use of the big low notes. He hits on a very pretty motif at about 8.30, then plays with an ambitious atmospheric theme for a few minutes before shifting towards the boogie section. Sounds like exploring the vast frontier. Very smooth build into the boogie by Jones and Bonham, and Page lets them groove a bit longer than usual, working his way in patiently. 
Bonham cues Paige with another stuttering fill, and he bursts in with great fluidity. Great blues rock jam with Paige in total command. Cool ending to the boogie with them all pulling back in unison, and Bonham providing a little flourish on the hi-hat. Jones's tag at the end before transitioning to the jam is my favorite of the tour, turning it into a beautiful gospel passage ending on the tonic. Very dramatic transition to the jam after that, setting the groove like a March 75 version. Page wastes no time entering this time. Uh, he repeats the opening phrase a couple of times like he did, like he does on the June 22nd and a few others, uh, which seems to set him up for a better performance on the jam. I'm not sure if there's a, a causal link there. You know, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg thing. Does he repeat it a few times? on the nights when he's feeling really good or does he play the rest of the jam really well because he played it a few times to get in the, to get his fingers loose. I don't know. Um, in any case, he's very fluid from the jump, but doesn't give it all away right from the start. He's a man with a plan on this one, kind of similar to his stairway to heaven solo later in the show, which is similar to the March 21st, 75 Seattle one, very long methodical build Anyway, Jones moves back over to the roads, sensing the zone that Paige is in. Paige and Bonham lock into an aggressive groove just before Paige explodes at 21 minutes. Bonham starts to groove more jazzily, like a 75 version. Uh, Paige goes wild around 22.30, back to 73 sort of fluidity like he had on June 22nd. Bonham begins to erupt violently about a minute later. Amazing phrasing from Page around 24.45, and even more so a minute later, incredibly arresting bends and fluid shredding mixed seamlessly. He brings them down to a simmer briefly after that, only to erupt into the studio motif as Jones becomes more boisterous in a different key on the roads, uh, reminiscent of what I was saying earlier about that March 21st, 75 Seattle version where he starts to play in a different key at the end. In that case, he's still on the grand here. He's doing it on the roads. Um, more great phrasing from Page just after the studio motif. Uh, if you want to talk about chicken and the egg arguments, do I find so many uh, cross-references with March 21st, 75 Seattle because it's that good or because it's my favorite and I have a bias? Let me know what you think. Um, anyway, they cut off the climax slightly prematurely as the call and response between Page and Bonham wasn't quite at a boil yet, uh, which is really too bad that that happened this night and the night after. Um, anyway, uh, cool transition back to the verse since Jones was already on the roads. He and Page just gently drift back. Plant sounds amazing on the closing verse chorus. Amazing entrance to the outro by Page, full 73 mode, where he's intimidatingly good. Great bends after that, tight and crushing Dogs of Doom's uh, section. Page isn't ready to finish coming out of Dogs of Doom just yet, ripping off just a little bit more 73 soloing. So as I said, third longest version ever, certainly one of the greatest. Page is completely in the zone, close to, if not as good as he is on June 22nd, 
Uh, both are good enough to be considered 73 level from him, I think. Plant sounds fantastic. Jones' solo is great. I love what he does after the boogie section, and it's neat that he goes back to the roads for the jam. Uh, it reduces the three-piece nature of it a bit and makes it more of a page showcase, which is okay when page is in the zone like this. Um, Bonham is a bit more reserved than the first three nights in LA, but better than the night before this on the 25th. And again, he could probably tell Paige was really in the zone and was content to let him shine. The slightly botched climax of the jam uh, keeps it beneath the, the two that I have ahead of it, but it's without question an all-time great version. And now for the top two, the order of which was uh, very tough for me to decide on. It's basically a coin flip, I think. Um, and uh, a change in sound quality might change the order. But for now, in second, I have the June 22nd Los Angeles version, the second of the six nights in LA. Plants introduction. This next piece is uh, another piece from Peter to Linda. Presumably that's Peter Grant. It's uh, featuring John Paul Jones on keyboards. It's called No Quarter. This one clocks in at 34.08, the longest version ever. The intro is actually fairly speedy, not too fast, mind you, just uh, confident, taking no prisoners. Menacing and powerful once Bonham and Paige enter. Bonham is aggressive, but not disruptive with his fills during the intro. Plant sounds phenomenal. Great embellishments from Jones during the verse. Bonham's aggression continues during the chorus. Dark, haunting, enchanting, and extended transition on the roads from Jones. He hits on a spellbinding motif and gracefully unravels it until Paige's theremin overtakes it, and he shifts over to the grand. Probably my favorite Rhodes transition of the tour, and the passing of the baton between he and Paige is remarkably smooth and well integrated. Jones's solo, once on the grand, continues the vibe that he set on the Rhodes. After a minute or two, he reintroduces the motif that he hit on toward the end of the transition to highly dramatic effect, commencing a fantastic conversation between his two hands. It sounds like they're plotting some master scheme. The question is, for good or ill? After several enthralling minutes, the motif drifts away, replaced by some very lush, regal playing, like we've arrived at a palace in some beautiful seaside destination. Jones then dives into a very jumpy rhythm, which Bonham quickly joins in on, commencing the boogie section. Page takes his time building up his riffing before exploding into the boogie with a blistering run, triggering an eruption from Bonham. It might be the fastest boogie of the tour, I think it is. Incredible energy. Uh, Page has no trouble keeping up, playing with the fluidity of several years prior. It fades away abruptly, yet so smoothly, like it was all a mirage in the Arctic night along the journey. Brief yet effective transition to the jam by Jones, with Page active throughout, with great atmospheric riffing. Bonham is rearing to go as Page and Jones paint the atmosphere. Excellent and unique riffing from Page building it up. Page repeats the opening phrase to start the solo a few times, but it's all very fluid. The chemistry between he and Bonham 
is every bit as good as the night before, but Paige is much more fluid and is in charge. It's almost as if Paige and Bonham are having an epic lightsaber duel and Jones is narrating. Really cool. At about 22 minutes, Paige embarks on a blindingly fast, fluid run, legitimately 73 level. There's a huge bend after that from him, followed by more fluid runs. Just before 24 minutes, he rips off a sizzling run after catching his breath briefly, triggering a furious call and response between he and Bonham. We arrive in a valley briefly uh, just after this to regroup for the final battle. Jones taking on more prominence now. Page charges into the studio motif coming out of this, which is accompanied by more fast, fluid runs. We get a mini peak at about 26 minutes, but they have more in the tank. A minute later, Page and Bonham lock into one lock into one another for a screaming offensive. They pull it back again before hitting the climax just over a minute later, which consists of a series of pummeling waves. Excellent tag from Jones in keeping with the atmosphere of his solo earlier, and Page is active throughout the tag. Plant again sounds incredible here at the end of the song. Page and Bonham both explode into the chorus and on into the outro. Page is completely back at 73 level during the outro, and the crowd knows it. Crushing Dogs of Doom section with Bonham doing the same series of fast fills coming out of it as he does the night before on the 21st, but Page also lets his fingers fly here. Jones adds a nice little embellishment at the end, punctuating this all-time great version, which is also the longest ever and the longest by a full 50 seconds. It's not like it just inches over the line either. This is definitely one of the best of all time and benefits from a recent upgrade in the the sound quality, all the same sources, but a, uh, a higher, or no, sorry, a lower generation of the tape surfaced, so it sounds noticeably clearer. Uh, this is one show and one song especially that I would... I mean, I wouldn't kill for anything, but I would love to have the soundboard of this to hear it more clearly, even though 77 soundboards are not uh, 75 soundboards, but uh, this is one that it would be nice to have. Anyway, um, Plant sounds as good as he did all tour. Jones turns in an excellent solo that's also in keeping with the mood of the song, which wasn't always the case in 77. And it sounds like he was great and an equal voice at the table during the jam, though the sound quality makes it a bit tough to judge. Bonham is, I mean, it's pretty safe to assume with Jones, just some nights he was more boisterous than others. Um, Bonham is just as coked up as the night before, but channels it in a slightly more contained manner, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Page is the main distinguishing factor for this version, though, legitimately regaining 1973 level creativity and fluidity uh, and on such an extended version no less so reading all of that you might be asking yourself as i am why did i have that number two and to be honest i don't know if i got it right but uh you know these two could really basically be a tie uh and as i said better sound uh, yet more of an improvement in sound quality for this one could bump it ahead of the one that I have in first place. But to quote the dad in She's Out of My League, um, I forget his first name. 
uh, gosh, anyway, I know the last name's Kettner, but uh, she's out of my league. One of my favorite comedies when they're uh, over at Kirk's parents' house and his brother Dylan has roped him into playing Slapshot Regatta and he's got his stunning new girlfriend, uh, Molly, played by Alice Eve, there watching. Um, and it's at a tie and his dad says, gentlemen, there are no ties in hockey, just as there are no ties in life. And there are no ties on Rock Talk either. So in first place, I have, uh, if you've been keeping track, the only one left, of course, June 23rd, Los Angeles, the night after the one we just talked about, third of the six nights at the forum. Plant's introduction. This is a song... Um, about one of those journeys that sometimes can bring surprises that you don't expect to encounter. It features John Paul Jones on keyboards. It's called No Quarter. This one clocks in at 30 minutes, 40 seconds, making it the fifth longest of all time. It goes June 22nd, June 27th, June 26th, June 11th, then this one, and then the March 14th, 75, San Diego, or that one might be a couple seconds longer than this one. Those two are right there in the five, six spots. And those are the only six that crossed the half hour mark. Actually, Jones nails the pacing and mood of the intro. Bonham has some fun with his entrance and is lively throughout the intro. Great tone from page plant sounds amazing. I love how he holds the don't you know, whoa, whoa. Jones begins his transition on the roads with an enchanting, echoing motif, which morphs into an ominously funky groove before climaxing in rippling, mysterious waves. Probably the best version for that portion of the song, at least, even though the night before was really good, too. Uh, yeah, tough call. The night before is more like true to no quarter, but this one's really neat. Anyway, um, nice theremin timpani work as jones shifts over pages theremin echoing for miles uh magical beginning to jones's solo before it shifts seamlessly into a suspenseful ornate groove kind of sounds like a ballet in a good way great conversation going on between his two hands very structured yet natural sounding builds to a series of peaks at around 10 minutes, it drifts briefly into more true no-quarter territory before laying the pillowy foundation for the boogie section. I must say, one of Jones's best piano solos, elaborate and ornate, yet incredibly focused and well-structured. The boogie section is transformed into a sauntering yet punishing blues rock jazz jam. Page is very fiery and fluid, with some great phrasing as well. Jones provides excellent purposeful underpinning and Bonham is aggressive and the chemistry between the three of them is superb. It ends with a bang and we move quickly into Jones's transition to the jam, which swells very organically, continuing to build slowly once Page and Bonham have entered. Page does some really cool riffing just before launching the solo proper. He again repeats the opening motif a few times and is very fluid out of the gate. He and Bonham sync up nicely at around 18 minutes. Excellent call and response between the two of them a minute later, just before Page rips off a mesmerizing, repetitive run down the neck. 
impeccable tone and phrasing from Paige leading into the studio motif just before 20 minutes. The three of them link up on a paranoid kind of theme that sounds like it's going to explode about 20 seconds later, breaks down into a very heavy call and response at 21 minutes. Jones starts to push it back up, followed by Bonham, and finally Paige, who stops them with a big chord, cooling it back down so it can peak harder. Paige hits on a massive riff at around 22.20, which leads to more call and response, this time with all three of them really bouncing off of each other. Excellent spindly runs from Jones as that breaks down about a minute later, at which point Bonham begins a deliberate build into an absolutely crushing peak. Um, you know, he's on the, like the snare on the floor, Tom going, dun, 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 dun. and then, um, all three of them really let loose for about 30 seconds after that. Um, this gives way to one last little valley and a skippy jazzy groove, which finally builds into the, the final climax of this most mountainous of no quarter jams, uh, mountainous in the sense that there's so many peaks and valleys, um, punctuated by perhaps the smoothest climax to the main jam of the tour. Uh, Jones comes out of the climax with a long spiraling tag, working his way deliberately down the keys to the very bottom of the black hole. Nice spacey noodling from Paige as Jones shifts back to the roads. The crowd recognizes the greatness they just witnessed and a big cheer ensues as Jones makes his way back over. Great echoing theremin from Paige on the Dogs of Doom line. Plant again sounds incredible on the verse chorus here. Huge fill from Bonham during the chorus, and he and Paige both go berserk as they charge into the outro. Paige is extremely fluid on the outro and in total command, suspending them until he decides it's time for the Dogs of Doom section. Great phrasing from him during Dogs of Doom and the rest of the outro for that matter. And he gets a big hum of feedback that works perfectly coming out of the the second Dogs of Doom blast. Bonham dutifully lets loose as they bring it to a close. And uh, yeah, I, I, have to, I had to give this one the slightest of edges over the night before, despite the 20 seconds staying a bit darker and, you know, true to no quarter and having Paige in even better form, even though he's amazing on this one, uh, and Bonham perhaps a bit tighter on the 22nd. Uh, I wouldn't say perhaps, I think he is. Uh, but with this one, uh, not only are all four members at or at least equal-ish with their peak of the year, which can be said about the 22nd as well, um, I think this one is the culmination of what they were trying to do with the song in 77, the elaborate Jones solo, all of the different sections and the transitions between them, the true three-piece jamming with all of the peaks and valleys in the midsection, etc. Um, and I can understand those who prefer ones that keep the momentum going more during the jam, like the 22nd, um, and a further improvement of the sound quality for the 22nd could change my mind, as I said, but... I think similar to my argument for why the March 21st, 75 dazed and confused is the best of 75. Um, there's a strong case to be made that page is more fluid the night before in Vancouver on the 20th. However, 
I think that March 21st Seattle one really is the culmination of, well, not just 75, but what the song had been building towards as a, a rock symphony. Like all the sections come together on that one, the transitions, you know, everything. It just feels tied neatly together with a little bow. Uh, and this feels like that for seven, for no quarter, at least for 77. It's like the, the way that they were trying to approach the song on this tour, it all comes together perfectly on this one. So that's the ranking, and that actually leads nicely into the final point that I have here before we wrap it up, and that is ranking 1977 as a year for no quarter, you know, in general compared to the other years. I think, and this is tough because it's a song that really changed so much in the across the the four different years that they played it but i think i would have to rank 77 third out of the four years that they played it behind 73 and 75 but ahead of 79 i think 75 is the best year for no quarter which uh could be controversial i know i think it's kind of the goldilocks lengthwise um ranging from 12 to well 31 in that one instance but usually it was in the low the average would probably be like low 20s but those march ones are a nice low to mid 20s um you've got the great 73 style versions at the beginning of 75 you've got some really good kind of extended 73 ones toward the end of the first leg you've got the the epic jazzy ones on the second leg in March that I really love. Some criticize for Page being, in their estimation, not up to par. Um, and even on the nights where there is truth to that, uh, what Bonham and Jones are doing is so interesting. It makes up for a large part of that for me. Um, and then you've got kind of hybrid versions of all of that at the Earl's Court shows. Um, the main reason I think 75 is the best year for it is every night it was really unique. Uh, well, for one, it fit the vibes of a, a winter tour perfectly. That's a bit more tangential, but uh, it was so unique every night. And I think the the grand piano, but no boogie section with the, the jazzy midsection was the best presentation of this song, structurally speaking. Um, even though Page's execution might not have been A plus every night, I think his creativity was still there. Um, and that goes for all of 75. I think if you, if you're able to listen to what he's trying to play at the times where he doesn't quite pull it off perfectly, usually it's a pretty cool idea. Um, and I would attribute that to him not being into heroin yet and most of his issues were the broken finger slash the the self-medication for that with the Jack Daniels. But, um, and, and as I said, Jones and Bonham are incredible on those ones. So that's, that's 75. And as I said, the main thing is how unique it was night to night. I, I would get a really strong, you know, personality from each one right away. Um, and then I would have 73 second. 
it took No Quarter a little bit to come into its own on the first leg in 73 at those May shows. Not that any of them are bad, but that keeps it beneath 75 for me. Uh, you know, however, just about every version from the second leg in July is amazing. And you can't believe, and you can't beat how concise it was, nor how otherworldly page was on those July 73 ones. Um, and I wouldn't argue with anyone who thinks 73 is the best year for it. I just personally like how they stretch it out a bit more in 75. And then 77 in third, as I said, um, and this kind of applies for the tour as a whole, is just a bit too inconsistent for it to be at the top. Uh, and Plant himself commented on that um sometime in the years since you said the problem with that tour was how inconsistent it was like you know some nights we sounded as good as ever or you know basically and then other nights it's like what the hell man um so the best versions from 77 the ones we just talked about that last little bit at the end are legitimate best ever contenders but there are some clunkers too as we discussed at the beginning which i don't really think can be said for 73 or 75 even the ones that would rank at the bottom um there's always something that's you're really good about it um but those couple at the bottom of this list were like genuinely either you know all three of them were varying degrees of you know, lost out of sync with each other or page was really sticky or something, you know? Um, anyway, uh, there's also a legitimate argument to be made that the boogie section that they added in 77 kind of kills the mood of the song. Uh, I've always been able to accept the, you know, it's, if it's a song about a journey, it's like a little detour on the journey. Like you're, uh, um, like, uh, in, you know, Lord of the Rings when they're on the quest and they, uh, they stop in, in, uh, at the inn in Bree on their way and, uh, they're in the pub and it's, you know, happy go lucky for a few minutes, kind of like that. Um, so, you know, I, it doesn't bother me a ton, but it is out of character with the, the mood of the rest of the song. And I, can understand people who are bugged by it. And while Page's execution may have been smoother on the surface than portions of 75, uh, certainly from like post Philadelphia in 75, um, I think with a few exceptions, like those ones we talked about just at the end here, his creativity wasn't quite there. Um, I can only assume this is the heroin influence. Um, songs with more structured solos don't expose this as much in 77, but No Quarter often does to my ears, uh, being such a long, semi-nebulous jam. Uh, I, I hear a bit more, um, you know, flashy, but not necessarily substantive soloing from him on 77 no quarters compared to 75. Um, overall, I would say uh, also that one version blends into the next much more than in 75. 
um, in 75, I would always get a very noticeable vibe and personality to each version. And it was very easy to come up with, you know, kind of flowery language about each one. Um, maybe that's plants, more loquacious introductions, uh, predisposing me to that, but, uh, the 75 ones feel more like a, a dark star scenario where there's an obvious personality and like, it's a song about a journey, but you can tell, Oh, this is this type of journey. And this one's this type of journey. Um, I didn't get that as much here in 77. It was like, okay, this is a 77, no quarter. Yep. And Oh yeah, this one sounds like a 77, no quarter as well. And then 79 is quite obviously last to me. Um, scaling back a song once it has evolved as much as no quarter had by that point doesn't work. In my opinion, it ends up sounding like a rushed paint by numbers kind of thing to my ears, even if it's technically played well as at least three of the four in 79 are, uh, they've just never grabbed me the way the 73, 75 or 77 ones do. All right, so that's that. Thank you for sticking around to the end. Thank you for stopping by. If you're new, I hope you liked what you heard and will stick around. Episodes this detailed will probably be few and far between this season, just based on uh, what I have plotted out to talk about and my you know personal schedule. Um, you know, football season. I've got the part-time job now, as I've mentioned a few times. Um, so yeah, but this was something that I wanted to talk about and wanted to do it justice. And I think that we did, uh, as I said at the beginning, I encourage you to follow the show on any and all social media platforms and the handles are listed in the description. If you have an appetite for a bit more content from me, consider subscribing to Dr. Cropper's office hour the Apple Podcasts exclusive premium spinoff of the show, $4.99 American per month. There is a one-month free trial, and you get access to weekly bonus episodes, um, amongst other perks. Um, if you have any topic requests, uh, please feel free to send them to me, or just questions or general feedback. Uh, if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review wherever you listen, those are very helpful to me. If you're interested in starting your own show, if you sign up with Buzzsprout, my hosting service, you you and I both will get a $20 Amazon gift card. So that's something to think about. You may notice at the bottom of the description, wherever you are listening, the buy me a coffee link, the kind of virtual tip jar. Um, no pressure, of course, but if you feel so inclined, it helps a lot. And uh well, I, I get a lot of free coffee now that I work at Starbucks, but, um, you know, consider it a, a buy me a pizza or whatever. All right. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this was a long one. It was a very content rich or, uh, perhaps not at the very least detail heavy. So, uh, go put your feet up, crack open a beer. Uh, you've earned it. And so have I, and, uh, I will see you next week to talk about the Grateful Dead's Terrapin Station album for its 45th anniversary. 
And coming up after that, the next couple of weeks, I'm very excited. I've not figured out the order yet at all, but I'm going to be ranking my top 25 albums, top 25 Grateful Dead concerts, and top 25 Led Zeppelin concerts. That one will probably be the first week of September, kick off September in style. Uh, but I thought that would be a fun thing to do, uh, a fun challenge for myself, something that I've kind of been curious to figure out the order of myself for a while and uh, coincides nicely with the uh, you know preseason top 25 for college football, which uh, if you've been listening for a while, you know I'm a big fan of, especially Ohio State. Um, and also in there, last week of August will be a 50th anniversary episode about the Grateful Dead's Veneta 72 show. And I'm going to have my friend Alex Mialopoulos join us for that, as he did for the Europe 72 50th. Okay, so lots to look forward to. Uh, get out of here, go have a cold one, and have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. Class dismissed.